This week on Invasion of the Podcast, news, what's that? Does Star Trek Picard boldly go anywhere? And is it a walk in the park for Steve when he takes my quiz about walks? We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to the quarantine of the podcast where we're trying to socially distance people one person at a time. My name is Paul and far, far away being healthy is Steve. I don't know if I'm being healthy, but hello, everyone. What what other what other essential goods did you guys buy at the grocery store? Because I know last week you told me it was like uh, like a, um, Reese Easter eggs, um, like a bucket of Slim Jims. I don't know. Uh, eight, eight or nine cow tails. So I uh, I was going to go. I was going to use your tip to uh, go to Gordon Food Service last week after we finished recording. Uh, and my wife decided it wasn't essential. So I, I have not left the house uh, now in nine days. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't left the house in nine days and, uh, we have an order, uh, for curbside pickup tomorrow. I can tell you some of the things that are on that list are essentials like beer and Doritos. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, candy fudge rounds, fudge rounds, so, you know, that's yeah. Yeah. You need, you need fudge rounds are life. You know that I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure whatever weight I took off the like two months I was doing keto hardcore uh, is pretty much done because I've killed it probably this last week. I, I literally move less than I do normally in my my everyday life, and uh, my my diet is just terrible. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I sympathize. Like I, I admitted last week that I've been a. Uh, trying to keep up the 10,000 steps a day, like during the work week, the weekend, I, you know, Hey, it's my time then, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and and I've done it. It's actually like, once you kind of get in and start dealing it and just like, for me, it's like, you know, you, the times you kind of fiddle around with things, you're like, you know what? I could be getting some steps in right now. So it's actually not been like the worst. And, uh, my, uh, was my most recent watching was uh, Spider-Man into the spider verse while I was getting some steps in. So, um, you know, I, I've watched that movie, what, probably, I don't know, uh, like 15 times. So it's like, I, you know, it, and that movie's just a joy to just listen to sometimes as well, some of the dialogue. So it's just, it's good. It was, it was a good thing to have on while me just, just pacing around like a madman at my place. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to, trying to stay active because otherwise I would just be like, um, it would be like in that first episode of a creep show, uh, that gray matter monster. That's what I would become. Just, just just the sludge of gray goop and its seat drinking beer <laughs> drinking cheap beer you know and, and eating um eating uh found found cats outside not my cats but other cats well be sure you warm up your beer first it's the only way to drink it i don't know why people would try drinking it cold warm is the only way to go 
A uh, nice cup of hot beer. Nice mm. cup of hot beer on a spring day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to mention everybody, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, uh, the, the first season that's on CBS All Access. Uh, it will be spoiler heavy because it'd be really weird to try to talk about that, that journey that the, the, the series goes on without getting into uh, specifics. Because I'm sure Steve and I are going to have some bones to pick with specifics of that story. So I'm going to throw one of these out here right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> Uh, if you're on the fence about watching it, I mean, I'm just going to say, you know, give it a chance. Uh, right now, with the free trial, CBS All Access, you get 30 days for signing up. Like, it's 10 episodes. They they zip by pretty fast when it's not, like, the the Romulan brother and sister. Otherwise, it moves along pretty fast. So uh, check that out. And then also, you know, there's other stuff on the watch there, too, on CBS All Access. There's the other Star Trek stuff. There's the Twilight Zone. There's Price is Right. And that's about it. No, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, and so yeah, if you guys have, what else you get, if you got time, you know, that then if you are interested, check it out and then come back to our conversation just a heads up. Um, so yeah, uh, well, this is normally when we spend 20 minutes talking about our times between episodes and we're going to have some more of that, but I just figured I just get to the, the news right now. everyone there's no news right now nothing's going on hooray hooray denied we don't have any stories it's like trying to it's not the bottom of the barrel there's no barrel to dig through right now like there's just rumors of things and it's if stuff's not getting delayed and canceled it's just most like hey guys what would you guys want to see with uh, jurassic park 18 like i just i i don't like the speculative like stuff out there i know people got to get paid it's just it's annoying where it's like, what well, did you guys ever wonder what Ryan Reynolds would look like? You know, if he was the if he was Guy Gardner is the Green Lantern. Like, I, no, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. You know, it's where just, are you finding these stories at? Uh, just in my mind. I don't know. But ah. it's like, you know, um, like it's just but most things are getting delayed. If, if And if they've already been out in the theater, they're getting like a quick direct uh, home video release, which I, after being excited for The Invisible Man, I have not watched that yet. I have not watched Birds of Prey yet, and I was excited for that. Um, Onward, the, the Disney Pixar film is coming to Disney Plus in two days, which is cool. I'm hoping to get to that. But it's like, that's the two stories right now is either stuff's coming quickly to digital or it's getting pushed back a year. That's the only stories I'm really finding. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that some movies are pushing out a year. I mean, I understand that you only get one crack at summer, but it's it's surprising to me. Like the Ghostbusters movie, I was like, well, they could still come out in like August. You know, if everything's moving out of the summer, why not, not you know, pick late summer? But I guess schedules probably don't work that way. Um, I mean, I don't know if they said, like, Black Widow, if that's delayed a year or not, but I know that they moved that out. Um, there was something else. Oh, I think it's the the Fast and the Furious has moved out, like, a year or two. Not that I've seen any of those movies, but I'm like, God, that seems like... It, it, it seems like that would be almost counterintuitive because people will want to get back to the theaters, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, I think there'd be some hesitancy and then, cause we, this is all, you know, uh, uncharted waters. Right. But the one thing I think will be interesting in like the next year is if this is all getting pushed back, then that means there's other stuff that's supposed to come out next year that, you know, who knows if this is going to be like a chain reaction or are we actually get something that we've not seen in a long time where there's honest to goodness competition 
during any, any given weekend. A lot of it always tends to be like the studios come in with their big tent pole and then there's a little bit of counter programming, but there's no big like head to head things. Because mm-hmm. um, when you mentioned Ghostbusters, uh, like you look at like the was it 84, 85, 86. Those years were just cramped. Look at like look what movies came out. I mean, obviously, the studios didn't know that a lot of these things would be like, you know, the histories that they've had. But right. they were just slugging it out. Like to see you come out on top because it's like they're putting their best foot forward. We might actually get like, you know, some attempts at trying to like actually, you know, eke out a victory and better for us as the viewer, because they will actually have more options than like looking forward to a film a month and then whatever happens to fall in between the cracks. And it's, it's interesting because, uh, the latest issue of Fangoria just arrived in my mail yesterday. And the cover of it is uh, um, about the release of The Hunt and, you know, it being released finally after being delayed. Inside, there are stories about The Quiet Place 2, um, I believe Spiral, which is the um, pseudo-saw um, okay. sequel. And uh, there's something else in there, too, that I was like, it's clearly, you know, these were clearly written before you know, we knew what was happening, uh, with film schedules and everything, but I'm like, Oh, this is a really interesting footnote because I guarantee like quiet place Two, I know has been pushed back. They don't have a date for it yet. I think spiral is moving as well. Cause that's supposed to come out in May. I'm like, Oh, this is an, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when these movies come out. If they like revisit them, because who knows when they're actually going to come out or, uh, it was just odd to be reading about these movies that are supposed to be coming out and, now aren't <laughs> well i mean isn't that kind of like the fun of going back and looking at old fangoria or starlog whenever they would like preview movies and then you'd see like behind the scene footage stuff and sometimes they never got finished or they got delayed until forever and we'd see that as like these footnotes and you'd see some of these issues where it's like oh this was supposed to come out that year and it didn't so i just i think that we're now back in that like you know you know get the content where you can't hope for the best and then it's just we were so used to having things like immediate when things would be announced. That's when we expected them. And that's not how the world's always worked. And I think I wonder what the fall's going to look like with TV. That's going to be the weird one for me. Like with like, you know, premiere dates and everything, who knows what, what are the networks going to do when they, when they got nothing like other than they might do some like live stuff, like, you know, American idol or, you know, the 87th season of the mass singer or something like, where do you go? Like it's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting. Like I'm not like excited. It's just going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering how much stuff has already been finished and is waiting for release, uh, particularly with the TV um, competition being so heated now, now that everybody has their own streaming service and everybody's got, you know, is trying to have their neck, you know, the, the big, you know, show whether it be the next Game of Thrones or the next, uh, um, I'm trying to think of like a recent, like, surprise hit. Um, but I know The Boys, which we didn't cover on the show, but I know you both, you and I both watched the first season of that. Um, it is, it was The Boys, right? Yeah. And the okay. second season's actually, I mean, it was done and completed. It's just, it's now, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> For a second there, I was positive. Like, did I just confuse it with another Garth Ennis property and, and forgot? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there's stuff like that. There, 
and I, I'm, I'm assuming none of it's filmed yet, but didn't Amazon like drop like more money than anyone rightfully should on a Lord of the Rings series? <laughs> it's going to be like, yep. Huge uh, as far as like their production budget and schedule. And I think you, I just get, you get Randall from clerks to reenact all of the scripts <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings series. <laughs> it's just him just sauntering back and forth and just, you know, <laughs> downplaying anything going on in that. That's how I'd you watch that. I, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird time. So like we don't have, I mean, throw throw a dart, you're gonna find something being pulled, you know. So that's that's not really the story, um, and we're speculating. And but based upon what we're seeing, this is kind of you know who knows. Um, and there might be some shows that just never come back. Like I just saw a headline for. Uh, the Fox show Empire, which I, I never watched, but it had uh, you know uh, the original Rhodes in it, uh, and they um, they the the season was supposed to be what eighteen episodes or something like the final season, which was already going to be a short order for that show, I guess. And they're actually not filming the last two now. And Fox is like, we're done. So now the showrunners are trying to scramble to think of a way to kind of sew together the ending in the sixteenth episode. Um, or oh, that's got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. I just think then you bring out storyboards and you bring out uh, Poochie to explain why, uh, you know, <laughs> Terrence Howard is now uh, uh, flying into the sky, never to be seen again or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's frustrating, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, who knows? Like, cause I know similar, but not quite the same was the writer strike, like screwing up a lot of stuff when it happened. And I'm not saying that like curse those writers, like they struck for a reason, but that caused some shows to never come back and, or get like stunted, in terms of like their return and their, you know, it's, you know, it, it's what happens. Yeah. I'll be also surprised to see what happens with, you know, animated shows. Cause I'm sure that, you know, their production cycle is a lot longer. So maybe something like, um, you know, I, I know Rick and Morty, you said that they, uh, kind of released just 10 episodes per season, but, you know, I, I kind of wonder how how far along they are. Like, are scripts written, and can they still be animated? Or yeah. um, well, funny you, you mentioned know. that one. Uh, sorry, not to cut you off. Uh, no, it's okay. Adult Swim always attends. Like, they they always kind of work against type. Where like on April first, they actually announce things that actually are happening, or they surprise people with stuff. Like two years ago, was it two or three years ago? Um, they put the season three premiere of Rick and Morty up like months before the season was supposed to come out. And they're like, yeah, whatever. It's on a loop 24 hours. Watch it or not. We don't care. Like as a joke. And so people are like surprised and shocked, you know? So this April 1st, they actually announced the return date, uh, for the second of the, um, cause season four right now is split into, uh, two halves of five and the first five have already come out. And that was, <laughs> that was the, that fifth episode of the fourth season is the one I made you sit down and watch cause you'd never seen Rick and Morty. So that was mm. the most recent one with the snakes that I love. Um, and so the next five are actually coming in May and they're already done. So thankfully we have that. What happens after that? Who knows? But they've taken two years between seasons anyway. So for like just having downtime there just to be creative and think probably isn't going to hurt that show. Others I'm not sure about. Yeah, I guess maybe like something like Bob's Burgers or uh, Family Guy or The Simpsons. You know, I wonder you know, how they'll be affected. I mean, and I don't, I've not watched Bob's, Bob's Burgers, but I feel like it's been on for at least 10 years now. Yeah, it has. So there's a backlog of episodes, same with Family Guy and Simpsons. It's not going to be like, 
what do we do without new episodes of those shows? There's 30 years of The Simpsons now that you can watch. So I guess... Um, Just release, you know, re-release the Michael Jackson episode. People haven't seen that for a while. It'll be fine. You know. I have it on DVD, so... Look at you having contraband. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then just find that episode of South Park where the, the early episode where um, they showed uh, Muhammad and that people didn't think about it until like years later where they're like, you can't do that. They're like, we did it five years ago, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I want to mention something that I saw uh, on Facebook. It was an ad for HBO saying, um, if you start right now, you can finish all game of Thrones in like three days and 18 minutes. And I want to be like, or less time. If you don't watch the last couple episodes, I just don't know if that's the right, like, I just like, they're like, you could binge it. And, and, and it's like, really HBO, is that what you want to say right now? After like, it seems like everybody finally calmed down after the last season. You want to remind people that you could binge it. That seems weird to me. That's just a weird ad. So I will say that, uh, I, I didn't think the last season was as bad as people made it out to be. And maybe this goes hand in hand with some of the reactions I've seen from Picard where I'm just like, okay, this is not the, Worst thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah, I agree. Did it feel rushed? Sure, the last season felt rushed. Did I think all the, the choices that were made were great? Not really, but, like, I I think the there was an overreaction to the uh, last season of Game of Thrones. Um, on that same note, though, um, it is interesting that, like, they're not, you know... I, They've got original content like, you know, John Oliver is still doing shows. And granted, that's only a half hour of your week. But I'd be trying to push that stuff to the forefront as opposed to like, I, I hey, think you can watch all of Game of Thrones. I would do the whole thing of like, hey, got time? Here's Watchmen. You know, like that's not going yeah. anywhere for a minute. Let's break your brain for, you know, like for an evening. Um, or like Westworld. I need to like I. I've started like mentally putting together a quarantine list. I should actually write it out and post it because people are like, "You haven't seen all this stuff." I'm like, "Nope." Um, it's like I've, I've been meaning to get back because I've seen the first season of Westworld. I have the time now to watch the second season and get caught up on the third. Like I told you, I'm now current with uh, Better Call Saul, which that is just getting amazing. And I know you haven't seen that or Breaking Bad. But it's like, these are the times to do this. But I thought it was funny that HBO pointed out the whole, like, you could binge Game of Thrones. It's like, let let those wounds heal for a minute. You know, like, just calm down. It's fine. You know, like, one of your one of your people in that show said, I drink and know things. Well, then you should know not to push Game of Thrones for a minute, regardless if people are stuck in their houses or not. I think it needs to cool down. That's what I'll say about that. It is interesting. I've never watched uh, The Wire, which I believe is an HBO show, and yeah. I know that that's critically acclaimed. Um, I watched Oz while it was on, and I think all of Oz is on HBO now as well. I wouldn't mind revisiting that. Um, yes, I haven't watched Watchmen, so that's something to watch. Um, no pun intended. And then, uh, like this, this past weekend, um, the third season of Ozark was released on Netflix and we've already blown through it. So it's like, waited a whole year to get those 10 episodes and it's done. <laughs> How is Ozark? So, I've not watched any of that. Ozark is really good. Uh, it's really dark. It's uh, it's a darker um, character than I think Jason Bateman's played before. He's still, and it's not comical in any sense of the means, but like he's he's still very much. I don't want to say a Jason Bateman type, but he <laughs> but, has a charm. Uh, he has like a charisma about him. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the cast is fantastic. The um, 
the one character is a character uh, named Ruth, uh, and I don't know the actress's name off the top of my head, shame on me. She won the Emmy, I think, this past year for, you know, Best Actress. Hmm. Um, Laura Linney plays his wife on the show. Um, it's all about laundering money and sort of the... Again, I don't want to say, like, the, the more white-collar side of it, because it's not, because he starts off um, finding out a bit about a deal that went bad that forces him to move to the Ozarks, and he's put in a completely different position of trying to launder, launder money down there. Um, and he keeps get, getting deeper and deeper. It's like every episode just gets worse and worse. <laughs> um, and this last season was no exception. So I would, I would highly recommend it. I think it's a... a a show that I hear people talking about, but not as much as I think they should be. I think it's a really good show. Um, and it, there's not a, a bad episode in the bunch. So nice. It's not, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of talking about breaking bad a little bit. So I'm like, I'm, I'm in, uh, but I have to be emotionally ready for something like that. Like, uh, since I'm now like I'm in, was it episode six of better call Saul season five? Cause the other four have not come out yet. I feel like once I get through those four, eventually I might need to take a breather from like a heavy hitter, but I'll find something else. To think. And I, I've heard nothing but good things about Ozark. Um, I just don't know why I haven't gotten to it. Cause usually it's, it's like, Oh, complicated characters and it gets worse and worse. Uh, like I I'm there, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I just haven't started that one yet. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you finish the good place by the way? No, uh, I oh. shame on me. Uh, part of it is just because I want to watch it with my wife. And also part of it is I don't want it to end. So that okay. sounds kind of weird. Like I, I, I have like, I think I have three episodes left, but I have, I have not seen a show that I've been so thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed through and through like parks and rec is like, it's up there. Um, but the good place just, it just came out like blowing up, like it's premise, like over and over and over and over again. And somehow you still care about everybody. And then like the humor is so, just ridiculous and awesome that it's like I've been I've been holding off because I just do not want it to end. I love that show that much. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, Parks and Rec because we just finished our rewatch of the entire sh series, and I hadn't watched the last season in since it originally ran, and I remember liking the last season, but not feeling feeling like it wasn't as strong as other seasons. And I think it was because A, it was shorter, and B, it was trying to tie up a lot of uh, storylines. Rewatching it, I really, I, I wouldn't go and say like, oh, it's the best last season of a show that I've ever seen. But like, it's a really strong last season. Rewatching it without like the anxiety of like, it's going to end. How's it going to end? Where are they going with this? I was able to enjoy it so much nice. more. And there, again, this happens with almost every season of Parks and Rec, but like. Every time I rewatch it, I see new jokes or find new things. I'm just like, God, this show is so brilliant on so many different levels. And again, I don't want to beat up The Office because <laughs> I think that, like, you know, The Office was great for what it was. Um, but I'm just like, <sighs> of the two, I, I, I feel like Parks and Rec for me comes out on top. Well, I mean, considering that, like, Michael Schur was the like was the co-producer or the one that helped bring the office to America. And then he went off to do parks and rec and he's found this way of doing ensembles that you, you actually like every character regardless of their motivation. And then 
you know, and then you get Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I think is fan uh, fabulous. Like that's another great strong ensemble that cracks me up every episode. And then you get the Good Place, which feels like it's like his like thesis statement about ensemble comedy and actually like making you think and trying to in a way affect change you know and it's like so anything he does i'm like on board for and i just feel like it's almost like when you this is not the right analogy so bear with me when people talk about like uh like vodka being like triple filtered or quadruple filtered and it gets stronger and more pure i feel mm-hmm. like seeing the iterations of, of michael Schur, like you go from you know the office in parks and rec on the brooklyn 99 and then the good place i think you're seeing that uh, you know, um, distillation, like the, the, you know, that, that, the, he's getting, it's so, it's just so sharp and focused and clear. Like who, who would you like the idea the, that they knew where this was going and how they steered that plot around the good place and how they take so many sharp turns, but you never once feel like they don't know where they're going. The characters don't, but you know, the people writing the show do. And it's just, it's just amazing to me. And again, I need to finish it. It's just, I, I just don't want my heart broken knowing that the show's over. Yeah, it's, and I don't know how much of the last season you watched, but again, all three seasons before it were really strong and it's a, it's a very strong ending to the show. Good. So. I'm ex- well then maybe I'll make it a point to find a, like a box of like uh of paper goods that we do not need in this, this now post-apocalyptic world and have it nearby, you know, that I can cry into like, like a stack of printer paper or something. Maybe that's what I'll use, uh, to watch. Cause I'm sure I'll get emotional. Um, just make sure you're wearing your Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, yeah, my, Bla- my Blake Bortles jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and I will make sure I have a Molotov cocktail nearby to throw in Jason's honor. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one thing I do want to mention before we actually get into, uh, the actual feature, uh, feature presentation of Star Trek Picard is with, with April Fool's Day, which is today when we're recording, normally there's a bunch of like fake stories that come out, but I feel like everybody in their right mind's like, you know what? We're good. Like, I don't think we need like these weird, like, you know, like left turns right now, though. I saw someone post supposedly Netflix teased a, uh, the later adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which that would have been amazing, but I know it's a joke. Um, but uh, Blizzard Entertainment, uh, and Steve knows I talk about like Overwatch, World of Warcraft, and everything that those, that company makes. They're they're pretty notorious for their April Fool's jokes, and they put out some really good ones in years past. They actually came out a day early for Overwatch with their April Fool's joke, and the only reason I want to mention it uh, to you, Steve, and to the the people out there, they need to Google this because they actually put it in the game. They gave every character googly eyes. Like, like the kind you just, <laughs> like you go to a craft store, like you just slap on their face. Like every character got googly eyes and it's in, it's in the game right now. So when, as you're playing like, and they have the physics of the googly eyes, so they just bounce all over the place. Uh, so, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Cause then like whenever, like if you finish a match, you see what's the play of the game. So you see whatever character was the play of the game and they have a highlight intro to show how badass they are. But imagine that with googly eyes it's like it is phenomenal um one of the characters uh he has a a special ability where he he's an archer and he'll shoot an arrow that can summon these huge dragons that twist out of it like huge dragons that that do this like big like you know if you see them coming at you you're dead 
they put googly eyes on the dragons. Like it's amazing. Like to see these dragons larger than life. Like it's like that Christopher Walken scale Siren live where he was a, a person that was a botanist, but he didn't trust plants cause he couldn't look them in the eyes. So he put googly eyes on all the plants. I don't know if you saw that skit or not. <laughs> I, do, um, I don't remember that. Oh, one. it's it's Yeah. But you know, blizzard putting this in the game, however long they're going to put it in. It's great just to see like, like uh, everybody looks like a Sesame Street character with the, with the googly eyes. It's amazing. Yeah. That's pretty great. Uh, I uh, I don't know like how much work that took them to do, <laughs> but I guess if you're that big of a company, you can you can waste some hours of uh, yeah you know, design. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, but like they're like Blizzard's kind of like they're known for like what they're going to do. Like last. Um, and I sent you the link in, in the Skype chat so you can click on it. It's not a video. Uh, but like last year uh, for World of Warcraft, they talked about that they put out a an in-game app called uh, Finder. It's a F-I-N-D-R, uh, which is a, a, a takeoff of Tinder where it's like you can look at people's profiles in-game. And if you don't want to deal with them, you just swipe left. Like it was this whole thing. <laughs> like, And it was just it was it was just like they, they did this whole write up about this. It never got put in the game, but. You know, like they'll do all this kind of dumb stuff, but yeah, if you can, if you could click and then see some of the pictures of uh, some of the characters, the googly eyes, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, uh, but I just wanted to highlight that because in the middle of all the things going on, the fact that they went ahead and released this was like, thank you. This this brightened my day up. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the hamster. Yeah. Right now, and the the dragon actually Hanzo dragon with googly, googly eyes. eyes. Yeah. The, yeah, that's that's oncoming death, but has googly eyes. And if you scroll down, you see someone tweeted. It's real. It's it's a small picture, but you see other characters with googly eyes. It's amazing. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> and the physics too. Like uh, there's one character. Uh, his name is Winston. He's a um, a an intelligent gorilla, but he he wears glasses like just because one they make him look smart, and two it's to honor like the uh, scientist like surrogate father he had. But they they were able to put the googly eyes googly eyes behind the glasses like so when you see him like posing, it's just it doesn't it's it's amazing so, um, but yeah that's why it's, it's not really a story other than it happened and I thought it was funny, um, but yeah seeing the dragons like coming at you with the googly eyes, you might get mad because you're dying but it's it's a funny way to go. But that is pretty funny. I I uh, I give them credit. That's pretty awesome, especially. If- for people who need something to uh, cheer them up right now, that's actually pretty ingenious. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's our, our not so news segment. Uh, I, it's, it's also mashed in with our weekend. Was there anything else that you know on the weekend? I know it looks like you guys watched Ozark. Was there anything else that you did over the weekend that you got into? Um. No. Uh, trying to think. Um. No, because I, I don't think we watched anything, any movies. I think it was 10 hours of Ozark. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, trying to not focus on uh, the pandemic, and uh, that was probably about it. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, that's kind of where we were, too, was just, you know, uh, just – but it's it's funny because uh, I um, – with, with my ability to work from home – they're now pushing for a lot of video conferencing at times where, so people can like, yo, keep, keep face to face. And I had to do, uh, I had to do some virtual training for people. And, uh, and it's just, 
it, it was weird, like the amount of like um, people were excited to talk to each other. And at the same time, I'm like, I was introducing myself. I was like, yeah, I'm Paul. Uh, I'm more of an indoor kid, like basically meaning like I have video games and movies. Like I, I'm pretty okay. Like, I don't know like how to describe this. Um, cause some people are like, I missed this. I missed that. I'm like, well, if you would give me a choice of staying inside all day or telling me that I had to stay inside all day, I would probably shrug. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, it's just more of that weird moment that you go outside to go someplace and it feels like you're, when you're in your car, you feel like you're in a spaceship. You're like, you're, I, I, am, am I wrong saying that? You just feel like you're like, the world looks normal, but it's like, is the air breathable? What's the environment like? Are we going to run into hostiles? Like, it just feels, it feels weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, I've been resisting the urge to do a uh, prop comedy when I'm on my video calls because I have like this camera on me and I have various items in my room that I've been like fighting off, like bringing into frame. Like slowly, like, you know, like my big, my, my giant, uh, Harrison Ford head. I've been wanting to bring that into conference calls, like, but I've not done that yet. Um, I think it'd have be you fun. considered dressing as a uh, Dennis Nedry from, for meetings, Shh. just seeing the notices. I should wear my professor chaos helmet and just like, just wear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well I have, I have the Pam Poovy, uh, HR hand puppet dolphin from Archer because I bought it from Mary a few years ago. I've, I've, I have it at the ready to, to my left that I've been wanting to bring it slowly in the frame to make it look like it's chomping my head. I've not done it yet. So I've not reached the point of insanity where I'm now invoking prop comedy, but that's going to come soon. Nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for, uh, this weird segment. That's going to be now probably the new normal for a bit. Let's just get to some star Trek Picard. And now for our feature presentation. So as we talked about last week, uh, briefly, um, and I, I probably mentioned this in times past because I had been watching this series for a little bit as it was coming out weekly, um, that, and again, spoilers guys, I know I warned you earlier, but spoilers about Star Trek Picard. I had not been like excited for anything Trek, for a while because I feel like they always kept going backwards. And it's like, that was frustrating to me because the last new newest content we got from, um, the prime universe was star Trek nemesis. And that was it, right? Like that and Voyager, I think Voyager was wrapping up at the time it, whatever it was, that was the last thing that we got that was actually moving the Trek timelines forward. Um, I don't know exactly the date when uh, Voyager ended. Yeah, I feel like you're right in that area. Um, cards on the table. I wasn't a fan of Voyager. I've seen maybe a season's worth of episodes, and that's not an entire season like all at once. That's episodes across all of the seasons of it. So um, I feel like you're probably right in that 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 area because I, I feel like Enterprise had already started. Um, was it Enterprise? What was the what was the Scott Bakula show called? No, that was Star Trek Enterprise, but that was the Okay. That was the story of Enterprise before Pike took it. Or or a ship yeah. called Enterprise, yeah. Right. I was just trying to figure out the timeline of when the shows were airing. Sorry, I should have been more specific. No, no, no. So. I uh, no, no, you're right. I um but I, you, Enterprise was was running if not it was close to running. Uh and I'm but so you're right. So I don't probably don't have the dates, but regardless of that though, 
the last two pieces of content that we got from the prime universe was the ending of Voyager. However, that ended up, I think they got home. I'm going to guess from the way Picard is, they got home. Uh, and also, I mean, a nemesis Janeway was mentioned. She, they showed her on the screen. If I remember right, right. She got, they got, Oh, back. she is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so nemesis the was getting the, the film. Yeah. So nemesis was the last, uh, uh, bit of story in the prime universe going forward. So, and that's been what, 20 plus years now, something like that. Um, I think it was uh, 2002 was Nemesis, I think. Oh, okay. Well, close to 20 years. Um, either way, though, it's that's, that's a long time, right? And we and willing to quote the beginning of Star Trek Enterprise, it's been a long time, or whatever it said. <laughs> I, I hated that intro music to Star Trek uh, Enterprise. It's like, I don't need a Michael McDonald song or whatever the, the hell this is, you know, like, gotta have faith of the heart. It's like, no, that's not Star Trek. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. I don't know what Discovery's theme song is, and I I didn't really want to have uh, too much of a discussion about it, Only, but I I, uh, I feel like, because uh, I think Voyager was a, um, a composed piece of music as opposed to like a, I guess they're all composed pieces of music, an orchestral piece of music. Yeah, no, like, like Next Generation, uh, D-Space Nine, and Voyager all had similar intros with the big sweeping like themes with their own with their own like um oh theme to it so i think and they, I, yeah. I i felt like picard while it was orchestral uh, it's not bad but it, there was something about it that was just like it didn't feel like star trek to me as far as a score goes not in the show but just um i i think maybe it's just years of being spoiled with that theme yeah that's fair i mean i don't have a problem with them going different directions. Uh, uh, my problem is that CBS all access no, has no skip, uh, intro button, which some shows, I don't want to skip the intro. The Picard intro, I think is somewhere between a minute to seven years long. I can't remember <laughs> where it ends. Like, I think you actually see uh, Patrick Stewart visibly age during that intro. Uh, it is, it's a, and I, I don't mind having long intro sequences. I think that's a lost art in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think the streaming services have actually brought them back and that's cool. I just didn't need to see it every single time, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, so we, this is where, where we're at. So the show is actually picking up with Picard 18 years after the events of nemesis. And we find him, uh, on his vineyard, which was hinted at the end of star Trek next generation, the, the series finale, all good things. I, if I remember right, that was the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Where it would show that's where he'd end up. So they, they changed it a little bit, but that's a, that's a good starting point. He was in France. He was in his vineyard. Uh, and he was just a guy kind of like marking time. You know, he'd served his point. He he has left the Federation under um, not the most favorable of terms, if we find out. But the legend of Picard or the legacy of Picard's out there in the world for good and for bad, which was interesting. But then we the story picks up with... I don't know. The, the plot's a little a little weird with this. I'll just say that. Like, I was happy to see Patrick Stewart. Some of the some of the plot points that happened the very first episode, I'm like, oh, well, that happened. That felt weird to me. Uh, with the introduction of um, what was her name, the the other sister, uh, Dodge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who was this girl who got activated like a Jason Bourne 
uh, agent and became John Wick suddenly and started kicking ass. Or as you described it last week before we started, after we got out recording, is she was like uh, River Tam from Firefly, where she got activated and started beating the shit out of these Romulans. And she wasn't sure of herself and was told to find Picard. So that's where we pick up. He's also been haunted by dreams of data, um, you know, talking to him. I know yeah. I'm haunted by dreams of data sometimes too. I mean, I'm not haunted by dreams of data. It just happens, <laughs> you know. Brent Spiner visits me like a poltergeist every night. Yeah, but it's it's Brett Spiner from uh, Independence Day instead of. Uh, <laughs> you know. But the, but the show picks up where you got a, you got a guy who once had the strong belief and the strong principle, kind of not broken but defeated, and that's where we find Picard. Um, and and before we we dive into that, I yeah. I just want to ask you a question. I just what is your history with Star Trek and particularly like the series, whether it be the original Trek, the next generation, deep space nine, like it is, you know, of those is next generation, perhaps your favorite. Were you a Kirk and Picard guy? Like, I'm just curious to get some of your backstory, like your, um, you know, your history with the franchise as a whole, you don't have to cover everything. Well, okay. So it's funny um, because uh, you would, if there's, if uh, between the big star series, right? So you got your star Wars, your star Trek, um, at Stargate. Stargate. I'll put I'll put Stargate with like a lowercase s. Like, <laughs> I know that they actually have serious people like, and I'm not against it. And I think anything out there is cool. Uh, the other S series I'd put out there is Battlestar Galactica, and I immensely enjoyed the reboot of that until the end. But I'm not going to fault a series for not sticking the landing if the first three seasons are amazing. I wish the fourth one was. And that leaves a sour taste in my mouth because Ronald D. Moore, guy behind the ending of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, anyway, uh, I would lean more towards Star Trek than I would Star Wars because I, I liked I like the notion. I like there's something there's some comfort food type mentality with the crew, the characters that you meet and that um, they will solve it. They will find an answer. And I feel like even though their science fiction is a little bit more harder than Star Wars, where Star Wars is just space swords and space wizards, um, and, you know, fight me, I'm not wrong. Um, and they just happen to fly in space. They happen to be fighting, you know, in stars and having wars. Uh, a lot of Star Trek, even though they have the Star Trek gobbledygook techno babble, a lot of it is supposed to be grounded in the idea that this stuff could exist or they use logic and reason based upon the facts presented to them to try to come up with a solution. I know some of that's held together with like uh, duct tape and bubble gum that it, I still appreciate that. I still always kind of fall into the comfort of uh, you have the characters from different walks of life and then you always have like the one that's trying to be human, all of that. I'm a sucker for all that. So I have seen some episodes of the original series, not the whole thing. I've seen some episodes of the animated series. Uh, I'd like to think I've seen the bulk of the next generation, but much like I'm discovering now watching the twilight zone of the other show that I do, I probably haven't seen that many episodes next generation, but every time one would come on, I'm like, I've seen that one. I don't know why that is. Uh, and then I've seen a fair amount of the first couple seasons of D space nine, probably not as much as I remember handful of Voyager. And then I wanted to watch Enterprise because Scott Bakula is an attractive man that needs all the attention and support because he was in one of my favorite shows of all time, Quantum Leap. But I didn't watch all of that either. So 
I have like this this passing love of Star Trek, but no no big foundational knowledge of it. If if that's if that makes sense, like I've seen a lot, but not enough, uh, and I've seen all the films, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Okay, I was just curious. I didn't know how much of a fan you were of you know the series and um, you know the films. I I come at it from a point of like anger you know, and hatred every- and judgment. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone looks at me and is like, oh, he's the Star Wars guy, which, yes, is true. Like, if I'm picking my fandom in some sort of nerd battle, I guess, uh, sure, it's Star Wars. But I'm always surprised when people are like, oh, you like Star Trek? It's like, just because I like Star Wars does not mean that I can't like Star Trek. Or, like, you have to choose. Like, they're... It's not like oh I can never I can only have pizza or hamburgers one has to be my favorite and I can never have the other like it, that's I don't not understand how it works. that yeah I don't understand how like I can like things for different reasons you know like like I don't just whatever I don't know it's it's silly to me but so um like what's your what's your relationship with Star Trek then so uh, for me I mean growing up I feel like. The original series, you could throw a rock on any given afternoon, and it was on some channel. Like, it was just always in syndication. Um, The original series, there's some really great episodes. There's a lot of not great episodes, unfortunately, but the cast gets it through. Um, And it's a classic cast, and there's nothing that you can't say. Like, it's iconic. It's it's lasted over 50 years at this point. It's, It's... one of the tent poles of our pop culture um, at this point. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode, but again, that may be that I saw an episode in 1987 that I haven't seen since then. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Trek Next Generation was kind of similar in that it was always on in syndication. Like it just felt like it's seven o'clock. I can turn on the channel and it'll be on somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like, so uh, we've probably talked about this previously and I'd be cut you off uh, with the syndicated television stations, like growing up, like I, I think I mentioned there's a couple that I got out of Pittsburgh. Like there was a couple where like, seven, like you said, seven o'clock on weeknights or whatever. It was Star Trek, you know, like, and that's, that's what it was, you know? And so you're, it was a constant. You're absolutely right. And uh, it, when I was in college, uh, we had a dartboard up in my apartment, uh, like the last year that I lived, uh, with some roommates there. And it was like literally, I think midnight every weeknight, there was an episode of next generation on. So like if we had nothing to do. It was let's throw darts and throw on star Trek in the background. So even by osmosis, even if it was an episode I'd seen a hundred times, it was still on in the background. Um, I quite enjoy, Next Generation, I really dug uh, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine always seemed like a harder target to find sometimes. I felt like their time slots got moved around a lot of time, Mm -hmm. even though they were also syndicated. Um, And then Voyager, I tried. I never got... I never fell in love with the cast the same way I did with the previous shows. Um, And maybe that's on me, and I just wasn't able to connect with them but um i kind of lost interest after that at least in the television stuff i have seen all the movies i um probably would put i don't know i think 
again, this is a Kirk thing, but like Rathacon is probably one of the best sequels ever made. Um, yeah. both to a movie and a, and a TV series. Like if you go back and watch space seed, you're like, it's crazy that wrath of Khan came out of this. Cause space Seed's not a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I've always enjoyed them. Uh, I remember being very excited for generations when it came out cause the yeah. series had just ended. Um, and all good things is just, one of those all-time perfect finales to a series. So when Generations was coming and they're like, oh, we're putting Kirk and Picard together, like, super excited. That movie is just okay. I don't think it's as terrible as people make it out to be. I don't think it's bad. But, I mean, it's been a while since I visited it, but I saw it in the theater and I I liked it. Like, like you got freaking, um, oh, it wasn't the bad guy. Uh, what's his name? Um, Malcolm the actor. McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. Like, he's a perfect bad guy. And then the idea yeah. that there's this like candy space ribbon flying through the, 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 the cosmos. I, yeah, I don't know. It just, it worked. And at the time Shatner didn't look completely wrecked, you know, like it was fine. I thought it was fun. And having him kind of like show the stark difference between the two captains, I, I think that for what they were trying to do and for what they did, it, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it's okay. There's a lot of promise in that movie that, unfortunately, once you get to the end of it, it it's they kind of fall on their keys when it comes to Kirk's death. And that's even after they refilmed it. There was a less interesting version of <laughs> stuff before that. Um, but uh, um, I've I've always kind of grown up with Trek. I, I've you know uh, I've watched pretty much everything up until Voyager. Uh, I, again, I do want to revisit Deep Space Nine um, because that's the one that I haven't revisited in probably since it originally re-aired, except for occasional episodes. So um, their entire last season is one giant arc, and it's pretty great from what I remember. But I'm, I'm kind of going a little too in-depth on other shows. But it's always been something that I've been interested in. It's always something that I've liked. And even though I have, you know, hundreds of Star Wars figures in my, the background of my uh, office that I'm talking to you from now, just because I love that doesn't mean I can't also love Star Trek. And I still, I will say that I still grapple with who I like better, Kirk or Picard. And it sucks that like Cisco and Janeway and Archer don't get thrown into that mix. But I think just because those two are the first, mm-hmm. they're the ones that you want to compare the most. But it's like I love both of those characters, and I, I'm 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 really glad to, and this is bringing us around to the series. I'm really glad to see that we get to revisit that character again, and see where he is now. Yeah, and that's what I was excited about. So, uh, I mean, I think it, like try to say who's better, like who do you prefer, Kirk or Picard, whatever. Like, it's like uh, I I will equate it the same way. This will not be the last time I mention I invoke this show, but it's a lot like Doctor Who. It's like who's your favorite Doctor? There's plenty of them, and I know with Star Trek the the number of captains are less, but you 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 gravitate towards one because you like the qualities of that one. That doesn't mean that you dislike the others. 
you know, and like, yeah. um, like uh, talking about shows I'm like not caught up on yet. Like uh, I'm still in the third season of Peter Capaldi's uh, run on Doctor Who, which he ended it, and now we have um, oh Jody, her, her last name's um, failing me right now. But he's been my favorite Doctor of all the ones I've seen. That doesn't mean I didn't like the other Doctors. So it's a, it's. Like I Kirk, Kirk is more like I'll punch this Gorn in the face and ask questions after, or <laughs> or I'll have sex with this Gorn, ask questions later. You know, like while Picard's always like I'm available, I will listen. I have all this knowledge, and I want to see the bigger picture. Like they're two different approaches, and I you know I can love them for different reasons. You know, and like so not that I need a Star Trek Kirk series right now. Like that would be. It'd be a bridge too far, especially with me, especially if they're going to bring back Shatner. Like the dudes, he's what close to 90 now. Like I, something yeah. like that. And you wouldn't know it, you know, from the way he rants on Twitter and the, the plastic surgery, whatever, more power to him. Um, but even with Patrick Stewart, you get the, you get the notion, uh, and it, it sets you up with this like ticking clock of he's an old man on one last ride. And you know, which is I'm okay with, but when you know that if they had said when CBS announced this, that they're like, this is a limited series, then I think there would have been more weight to his journey in terms of like, all right, what, what's going to get him back and, and, you know, back into the cold, as they say out there, what is worth it? And is he going to put like a, like a, a, like an exclamation point on the character? And I think in some ways they, they did that. Okay. But then when they left it open-ended, and especially when they announced the second season coming, which I'm not against, it, it takes away some of the weight of the last couple episodes of the season. And I am I know I'm jumping ahead there, but you have the character Picard. Like, it's it's Patrick Stewart, even when he was in his early days of being Cap, uh, Picard, he always looked old to me. But now it's like you go back and look at that. It's like, he was a spry young man. It's like something <laughs> about, I don't know what it is, but now it's like, he looks old and that's okay because he is old, but like him putting on the persona of Picard, what you could tell he walked into someone comfortable. And it, that to me was very welcoming. Like I love that character. I love his, his sense of humor is so great. His, uh, his, his general sense of observation is pretty great. His passion's great. Um, but I will say there was a point in the series that I almost teared up, uh, and I was getting there, and I it just it it wasn't it wasn't seeing him, and we'll we'll talk about that probably a little later. That's me teasing something where I something something emotional hit me I was not expecting in the series because I've been kind of I I I'll say this, and I don't know if we want to walk through the whole plot everything. Uh, all said and done, after ten episodes. Did I, did I like more than I didn't like? Yes. Um, there's a lot of good here. And I, and I, and for, for me to be excited for them to move forward with the Star Trek story and to have Picard be the one doing it, I think that's cool. And then to put him on the outside looking in of the Federation was interesting to me. We have some common friends that are kind of pissed about the idea that the Federation isn't like this benevolent, like good I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I think the mission statement of the Federation is supposed to be there, but that doesn't mean that's not full of human people with their own motivations. I'm okay with it being kind of broken around the edges. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that too. I didn't have an issue um, with the way the Federation was portrayed because 
again, we're skipping ahead, but like even when we get to the end, they do the right thing. Um, but I think when it comes to the Federation, we've seen in other iterations of the series where they're not always right. You know, um, Jesus, how many times, <laughs> how many times has any crew broken the prime directive anyway? Um, how many times, you know, uh, it, I, and I brought up, uh, in a discussion with this friend, um, you know, how undiscovered country, the whole thing is about how a few people who are inside the Federation work with the Klingons to try and, uh, break the treaty that's forthcoming. That's going to bring peace between, you know, the Federation and the Klingons. Like we've, we've seen that before. So it wasn't something that was like overwhelming to me or made me think like, well, this is a crazy turn. Like I never got that sense out of that piece of the story. And actually I kind of hadn't given it much thought to be perfectly honest, because the story is being built to suit where Picard is in his life. Um, and I think that I, I could see a federation that looks at him and says, you are a great hero for us and we love everything that you did for us, but you're, you know, 80, whatever, however old he's supposed to be in this series, you know, um, 94, I think they reveal at the end. Okay. Supposed to be- <laughs> but they, you know, they say to him, you know, like, <laughs> you're not really in charge anymore and, you know, we'll put you out for, you know, publicity and we'll have a card day and things like that. But, you know, they're not interested. It's like if a, a, you know, a a war general from, you know, world war two was still alive and, you know, was telling our government what they're doing wrong. Like I could see how they would not actively take, their criticism and say it's a different world now and we had to move on and these were the choices that were made i i can see that yeah. that's not the greatest analogy no no but- no you're right i think that's i think that's pertinent i'm sure that uh, when we got tangled up in vietnam there's probably people before being like ah you know the, the lines aren't so clear what's going on they're like thank you for your service back then you know here's a medal good luck you know like i could see that being the way it was mm-hmm. and then also with the complete fallout of of the mars attack that happened um, that is kind of like the linchpin of a lot of this where uh, the synths, synthetic humanoids just turned and started slaughtering everybody. And then that caused like a big, like, you know, distrust of using synths. And then it also that led to uh, Picard having to make decisions about trying to save like these uh, Romulan refugees. And there's a lot of this, like, you know, just there, there was like these like tensions boiling over. And like, that was the spark that caused a lot of this to turn like sideways that was all interesting to me. I thought that was all pretty cool. Um, yeah, I actually think that, uh, that was some of my favorite pieces because a lot of the episodes would begin where we're getting little pieces of the story about what went wrong, where we would be introduced to a character, for instance, Rafi, who I'll just say it now, my new favorite character from the series, like out of returning characters, obviously we love them. Of the new characters introduced, I think Rafi's my favorite. Yeah, Rafi's but great, we, except for one thing, but... <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about, and uh, apparently vaping is a thing in the 24th century. Oh, no, 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 that's not... That's oh. the, no, that, yeah, that's that's fine. No, um, Rafi, who was played by Michelle Hurd, who is... 
she is so good. Like she yeah. is so good. Um, no, it's just that because the script, she has to refer to Jean-Luc as JL oh. every three goddamn seconds in the series. <laughs> right. And it's like, I get it. That's your nickname for him. And that's fine. Like everybody has a nickname. That's why I call uh, That's why I call Steve uh, SLK. That's what I, that's why I call him that. Um, I'm like, sup SLK, uh, you know, or, or, or I just call him SK or Sk sometimes for short. Yeah. I'm like me and Sk go back, you know? Uh, but it's like every, it's like, she has to say it directly to him. Like the audience yeah. doesn't it just, that just pissed me off. <laughs> like, uh, but her, her act, Michelle Hurt's great. Her character is like layered and has like rough edges. And she is not always the happiest, but she can do her job and she is loyal as much as she hates it. She's cool. I, I, I like Rafi a lot. Yeah. And we see bits of his backstory where we're interest, introduced to her as we're seeing like think where things kind of go wrong for Picard and how things kind of fall apart between him and the Federation. And she's entangled in that. Um, and I think those are some of my favorite bits of the story where every time we get a little nugget about a, a character who, you know, uh, Picard has had history with and like where they're at now in relation to him and how that affected his story going forward. I really enjoyed that aspect of the storytelling and, um, I think that I think that we, we got a little bit of that with and, and I'll, I'll say this. Um, I was expecting a lot more data. I was actually surprised by how restrained they were with using Brent Spiner as data um, because he's not in a ton of episodes. I expected there to be flashback with data like every episode. I just figured you've got access to Brent Spiner and you can do this. Why not? Mm hmm. So I give him credit for for parsing him out throughout the, the series. Um, but it is interesting to me to see like how they wove the new characters into his story and then where he is with certain characters and his point in life, um, the point that he's in his life uh, as we go through the series. It wasn't just an all like, here it is, first episode, here's where we are now, and go. It's... It's sort of doled out as we get through it. Yeah, and, that, and I, I yeah. liked that. And so like he had his, um, oh, he had his two uh, uh, house staff. Uh, they're, they're friends. They're Romulan refugees. I, I don't have their name in front of me right now. Uh, but uh, the two characters is a guy and girl. And they were really great. Like I, I, it bugs me out that like after the third or fourth episode, we don't see them again. I think it was uh, uh, Zabon and Laris. I think that's the two characters. Uh, cause they were actually really interesting and they actually had some depth to them and they were kind of grateful to Picard because he still showed compassion to the Romulans that were, um, you know, uh, uh, refugees. And I don't remember where, I don't know if it was because, uh, Romulus destroyed because in, in the, the, uh, prime universe, uh, the Klingon homeworld, just cause there's an accident that caused it to become uninhabitable, which led to the undiscovered country. Right, that was where the peace accord came from, and then mm -hmm. in, um, in the Star Trek, the reboot with the Kelvin universe, uh, the big thing with that is that Nero, who was a Romulan, or was he? Yeah, he was a Romulan, right? Mm -hmm. that, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Romul uh, Romulus got destroyed because they weren't paying attention to like the natural disasters, right? And so they became refugees. So he went back and destroyed um, uh, Vulcan. 
I remember writing that film. So that didn't, it didn't happen except in the past, which split the timelines and blah, 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 blah. So his home world's destroyed. So that would make sense that I, I guess that, that plot point from that film actually carried forward. So the Romulans were all refugees at that point. Um, so Picard was sympathetic and the Federation kind of abandoned that whole thing, which we see the fallout from that when he goes to visit one of the outposts that was supposed to be a Romulan outpost. And that's when he came across the, um, the warrior nuns. Uh, what were they called? I can't remember what they were called. Everything has a weird name in this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, there's something that they refer to, uh, it's like the tri Shiar or something along those lines. And I kept hearing Shi'ar, like, as in the X-Men, it, which I think uh, it was the Shi'ar Empire in uh Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I kept confusing well, the, it. the Tal Shi'ar in the Picard series Tal is the, Shi'ar, thank you. They're the secret, like, Romulan force, right, I think. Yeah. Or, I think something like that. Anyway, he sees these warrior, warrior nuns, which they're all badass. He goes to visit them. But then we find out, like, he didn't come back to see them 14 years later after the Mars attack. And there was a young boy there named Elnor who was Romulan, but he was an orphan, but being raised by these warrior nuns. So he was always kind of an outcast. And then there's supposed to be like the storyline there with this character, which um, I don't know if you agree with me. I think Elnor was great as a concept, not well executed. Well, I think that the problem is, is that he's introduced late into the series. I don't think we actually get introduced to him as an adult until like fifth episode in maybe yeah. and they don't have a lot to do with him other than be the hammer when they need one yeah which i mean i i never doubt his um his his uh physical abilities and i like his whole thing where he will say to his targets please choose life before he just utterly decimates them that's kind of badass mm -hmm. but the fact that he is a romulan with the pointy ears and the way his hairdo is called elnor I kept thinking of elves from Lord of the Rings, like every single time I saw him, it's like, he's an elf. He's Elfnor. That's who he is this entire time. But because he doesn't have like this, he's not seen the outside world and all this stuff that he has like this weird, um, like viewpoint. And it's, it's, it's played more for comedy relief as opposed to like, had this, had they actually given him more um, space to breathe, I think he would have been interesting, but he also lives in this world of absolute candor. Or uh, that's what the the warrior uh, nuns go by, which is basically state how you feel the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't mind that. It just that it just his character never really connected. I I love the idea of him. I, I don't blame the actor. I just it's just I don't know. Like I didn't. I just something about him just never rung true in terms of like. If it's it checks a lot of the boxes for Star Trek, it just didn't come together for me. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I don't disagree with you. I will say that um, there's another character that's introduced that I, and maybe it's because Elner doesn't really have that large of a piece in the story. Uh, it didn't bother me as much, but the captain of the vessel that. Uh, Picard um, acquires in order to carry out his mission um, is his character's name is Rios, I believe. Yeah. And they do a thing with him where every hologram that's on the ship acts as his crew. So in Voyager, you had Robert Picardo. I can't remember the name of the character. He was I, doc. He was just the doctor. Cause he was the doctor. The, yeah, he's the medical hologram. Yeah. Um, 
you know, he was a hologram. So there was that version of him. And as you go through this series, like every hologram that pops up, whether it be the doctor, whether it be the, I think there's a cartographer. Um, like there's a hospitality specialist. There's an engineer. Hospitality, yeah. There, there's a weapons guy. There's a navigator. And they're, yeah. like They're it, all versions of him. And it's unfortunate because I didn't find his character nearly as interesting. And then when you throw in other versions of him, I'm like, it, I, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't really, it didn't bother me, but it. I never got attached to that character. And then when you're throwing in alternate versions of him that are less interesting, I had a stumbling block. It, it just pissed me off that the engineering one was, had a Scottish accent. Gotcha. <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like that was, just, and each of the, each of the different holograms have a different personality and a different accent. So there's a bit eventually where Rafi brings them all together and it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like just, I don't know. Can you smash them all together just for a minute? They're holograms. It's fine. Just smush them together. Make them kiss. I don't know. Like you got it. It's fine. It just. And I'm yeah. sure that you know um, the actor. That's got to be huge for somebody where you're like you get to play this character, but you also get to play like five other versions of him, and that are all interestingly different. I just felt that it didn't work well in the writing. I guess yeah. is the best way of putting it. I don't have so much a problem with his performance as I do like. I just didn't think he was that interesting. It just he was trying to play like you. You got to have that roguish cat, that pilot, right? Like he he is the captain of the ship, which is called the La Serena, La Serena. Which I just this is just me. This is just a personal pet peeve. Like the ship looked okay, but it's like it doesn't look distinguishable. Like I feel like Star Trek needs a profile when you have a ship. Like I know this is a smaller ship, but give me something. Like when I say to you Voyager, you know what Voyager looks like. You know, you know what the Enterprise looks like. If I said to you um, the Defiant, you'd know what the Defiant looks like. There's these these profiles and the La Serena. I'm saying that wrong. It just it it just looked like every other like stock spaceship, you know. And I didn't like that. And that's actually something that uh, annoys me in the last episode. It doesn't so much have to do with his spaceship, but Star Trek fleet shows up. And, like, it's literally just the same ship over and over. And they're like, oh, it's a fleet of these ships. I'm like, no. Like, it's always been, like, here's the Reliant and here's Enterprise. And, like, they all – here's the Excelsior. They all have, like, different looks to them. I was like, was this just a way to save money in the post-production be like, well, we can create one model, but we can put 50 of them on the screen? It's like, it's like copy and paste, like – yeah. Like over and over again. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't something that like, it wasn't a huge deal, but I'm like, Oh, it was always cool in any other series or movie. Uh, I think of like, uh, when the Borg show up in, um, first, first Con contact, yeah. how all those different ships are out there trying to take it down. And like, it, it's always cool when you see the Federation and there are different ships. I was just kind of like, Oh, they're just all the same one. That's boring. Yeah. And that, that's, yeah. So I, I agree with you on that. Uh, <laughs> So, all right. Is there any other, um, I guess like, uh, we haven't talked about, uh, we haven't talked about Dr. Agnes Girardi, uh, Allison pill, which I like Allison pill. I feel like they brought her in to be like, can you cry on command? Like she, every chance she got, like, again, nothing against her. That's the way the character's written, but my goodness, like, I feel like, like someone had a button like off, like off camera. I was like, all right, let's get Allison crying right now. Pink. And it just, when she would just immediately start crying um how did you feel about that character 
so I really like Allison Pill as an actress, and I really enjoyed her character in the first maybe three, four episodes um, because she represented this, you know, character who hadn't been out to space, who was going to be exploring things for the first time. She's an expert on synthetics, but she's never got to actually work with one. She had like this enthusiasm, and I was like, okay, that's that's great because everybody around her is hard boiled and has lived through the shit. Great. There, you've got an optimistic character, a point of view character. I, I'm really happy to see that. And then her character has a dark turn because of something that she was given or implanted with uh, regarding the destruction of everything by the synthetics. And it soured her character a little bit for me. Um, also, like, she's supposed to be involved with uh, Dr. Maddox, I believe his name was. That dude is way too old for her. Like, <laughs> either find a younger actor for her to be with or cast an older actress. Like, it just, it, it, I know it's because I'm in my 40s now and I'm much more aware of that stuff. But whenever you see, like, oh, here's a 60 or 70 year old guy with a 30 year old girl or maybe late twenties. I mean, come on. It's like, come on. No, you, you've, have you seen Harold and Maude? It, 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 it happens sometimes, you know, just, it's, <laughs> you know. usually the other one's rich. That's, um, that's fair. Uh, but the guy's name was Bruce Maddox, right? Which I, I did not realize this. I get he had, I guess that character, I don't know if it's the same actor, but that character was actually in an episode of uh next generation. So there's, there's mm-hmm. presence there. I didn't realize that, but yeah, like, so again, I know I throw the spoilers. I'm going to throw it out right now. Just again, just, just in case. Do you know why they are called spoilers? When you kill somebody actively, whether you have something wrong in your brain or not. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you know, I'll just turn myself in. They're like, we're making a detour. High fives. Have we just forgotten that she killed somebody? <laughs> everyone's like we all have baggage i'm like is that baggage a dead body because she definitely killed that guy like that's weird to me yeah there's no real consequences to her actions and i was really kind of disappointed by that particularly from somebody who has a very high moral code like the card it was really surprising to me that it just was let go we're not going to Deep Space 12, so I guess you're free for murder. Yeah, that's, there's two things there. One, I'm just going to ask you, was that a bitter pill to swallow? But, and then two, um, <laughs> what were you more upset about? Her not turning herself in or not seeing what Deep Space 12 looked like? I was wanting to see Deep Space 12. I wanted to see if it had more points on it, like more pointy I, edges. I, I did. I wanted to see that. And like while we're on the subject of just Deep Space, like uh, Deep Space Nine, I, and we haven't gotten to Jerry Ryan as seven of nine returning here or, you know, the other characters from next generation show up. Um, I was kind of hoping that like, you know, we would get somebody from deep space nine showing up in a cameo, whether it's, you know, um, Dr. Bashir or Sisto Cisco. I always want to say Sisto cause the actor Jeremy Sisto, but <laughs> Cisco, um, you know, uh, Colmini, who's the actor, whose name I can't think of, who's the engineer. O'Brien. Um, He's chief engineer O'Brien. Yeah, chief O'Brien, yeah. Chief engineer like, O'Irish. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, it would be really cool if they really threaded the needle since we're bringing in other characters from other series. And then we didn't. And I thought, oh, they're going to go to Deep Space 12? Maybe. You know, maybe maybe Cisco's son is there for some reason. Or, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I kind of hoped 
and, or Quark is yeah, running a bar there. Or yeah. I don't know, like this 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 could sound <laughs> stupid. I may call me crazy. I know they got um um they got Will Wheaton to host like the the after show uh, called Ready yeah. Room. He's he's a pretty good age right now. That like I don't like I feel like you could probably write Wesley Crusher in to be pretty interesting. Like, I think you could pick his character up and actually make him have some worth, you know, like why not? You know, not that I'm saying this needs to be like, like a, like a cast, like of like a, Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm so-and-so, you know, like, I don't need that. Like what's going on with Barkley. Like, I don't need to know that. It just like, <laughs> that would be amazing though. Yeah. <laughs> like somehow Barkley's just suddenly a general. You're like, wait, yeah, but he's a general that always hides behind things. Like he's just terrified. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean, though. Like, where, where, you know, we don't need all of that, but like, it would been, it would have been kind of cool. Like, um, so before we talk about Seven of Nine, let's let's mention you. You said that some other characters showed up, and that's yeah. true. We had, um, we had uh, uh, Riker and um, uh, Troy show up, and th- when when I I said earlier, the w- the one moment that I almost like got teary eyed was whenever uh, Picard shows up with Soji, which we'll we'll talk about that like that. That character um, and the actress, the actress is okay, but I just she annoyed me sometimes. Um, and that's maybe it's the writing, I don't know. But they show up on this planet of you know, I don't know, Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever the planet is. It's the nicest place in the planet in the world. And he goes and see, he finds Troy and um, Riker living in this nice log cabin that has like a defense system out the ass. The look that Troy, um, Myrna Sirtis, uh, I think that's Tyson's her name, when she sees Picard. I don't know what it was about that. That almost brought me to tears. Like that first look of like, there's friends. These people know each other. They have a history and she knows shit has turned sideways for him, but she is just happy to see him again. And then seeing Riker running his like Roto pizza operation, like out in the backyard. Like <laughs> it's like Jonathan Franks is always a welcome addition, but, and he had directed an episode or two earlier of, of the series and he directed, he's, he's been still involved with star Trek. It was just something that wasn't comfort food. That was going forward. Just like seeing Brett Spiner play Data, like I don't feel like that was fan service. I feel like there was a reason for it. And having them there, like even though they were a sanctuary, like it still it felt that felt organic to the story because the, like they cared about Picard. They love him. They were not afraid to call him out on his shit, and I appreciated that. Yeah, and. Uh... There's a moment actually where Soji kind of freaks out on Picard, and Deanna Troy's like, "I know I'm not supposed to say this, but like you deserve that." She's like, "I'm and no I, longer I, a counselor, but you know, like yeah, yeah." I loved that moment. I thought that was a really fun moment. Um, and again, it just goes to show like they slipped very easily back into these characters. And you're you're right. It is there's a little element of comfort food in it because I will say that. In the last episode, when Riker shows back up, there's a part of you that's, or at least there was a part of me that was just like, yes, like, yes, because his whole line, his whole line to the Romulans was, uh, you know what, uh, we'll see you out of this part of space. So like, no, no, we can handle. It. He's like, no, I insist. Like it was like no problem. <laughs> it was like that was such great Riker. I'm just like, nah, nah, <laughs> we're good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you out myself. It's fine. Yeah, so yeah I, I really enjoyed. Uh, both of them, sh- you know, showing up in the series. I, I hope that they make appearances again in the second season. It's not necessary, but you just like those actors and characters so much. Um, and then uh, there's a moment that Riker has 
And again, I can't fault the actress playing Soji, but and I guess we've kind of skipped over this part. Soji has a lineage that comes from Data. Yeah. And what sets Picard off on this this quest is that, you know, Picard potentially had a quote unquote daughter or twin daughters. Data did, yeah. Will. Data. Yeah. So yeah, so but like Dodge, who we meet for just an episode, she finds Picard is like, I don't know who I am, and then Picard's starting to put like things together because he finds a painting that Data did that has her face, blah, blah, blah. And then she gets like annihilated by the um, you know, um, the secret Vulcan, not Vulcan, Romulan people. Uh, I just, I said their name earlier. I can't remember now. The Taj Mahal. That's not their name. <laughs> the uh, Tal Shiar. The you know, um, the Talia Shire. They showed up and, and kill her. And it's like something about that. I'm just like, oh, wow. That was sudden and weird. And it's like, oh, wait, she has a twin sister. What? And then we just spend the rest of the time with the twin sister. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, and, that was weird. It was weird. And, and, Again, this is not me. Again, I, I don't mean to put it on this actress, but there's a line that Riker has where he figures out why Picard's there. And it's it's wonderful that, like, Picard doesn't even get to tell him. He's like, well, uh, it doesn't take, you know, I, I, I could tell by the way she tilts her head, um, you know, that she's, you know, come from data. He has a line similar to that. But, like, he makes a specific point about, like, the way she moves and it reminding him of data. And I'm like, oh, it would have been interesting if that actress, and I don't know, maybe she did work with um, Brent Spiner, maybe she did review character, and maybe they were just like, don't try and do data. But I was like, I wish I would have seen a little of data in her. The head, I was a little annoyed that was, I didn't, because yeah, I'm like, how does Riker come to this conclusion? Because he says, you know, oh, I could see it in her. And I'm like, I, I want to be able to see it in her. So, well, can I, can I fast forward a second here? At the very end, when we find out that um, that data that that because you could take like a like a single little tiny piece of him and extrapolate all of him out, uh, he was been trapped in like this mind prison type of thing, like this purgatory, right? And so when Picard talks to him, he's like, "I've been here, kind of bouncing around." He's like, "You're dead, but they're going to fix that because of magic." And then I'm kind of also here. Don't you think before they pulled the plug, which was Data's request? And even though he knows the potential of him having a daughter because he made a painting about it, why did we get a moment of Soji talking to Data? Because yeah. she never had a family. She she finds out her life's a lie. And Data always wanted a daughter. There's an episode about it. Why didn't we get that? Why didn't we get that moment of him being like, you know, I do need to move on, but I'm so proud of you and the things you will learn and the ability that you have to emote and feel is something I never accomplished until the movies later. And then we've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> it would have been funny until the movies. Until but the movies. On, yeah. Sorry. But like, why didn't we get that? Like, why didn't they close that loop? Like to give her a little bit more sense of like heritage. That felt weird to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That that's that's that, a that good bugs question. Me. That bugs me. Like, I'll say on that same same token, um, and again, I realize we're already at the finale, and we haven't gotten to a lot of the series, but um, there's a lot of science gobbledygook that doesn't need to be there that they just throw in. Um, I think it's it's either on the commentary track for first contact or generations, 
um, Brandon Braga, and I think it's Ronald Moore, uh, who do the commentary, talk about the fact that, like, when they were writing the series, they would literally write something and be like, they'd get a point to a script where they don't know the science behind it or what's going to happen. That they're like, you know, uh, Jordy says, you know, science stuff here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they fill in the gaps later. I feel like they they were really, like, pushing the science stuff a little too hard in the sense that, like, I couldn't almost follow it where I'm like, okay, maybe it's just because I'm not getting it. But I'm like, there seems like a uh, like they focus too much on that aspect of it, at least as we got towards the conclusion of what happens with Picard, what happens with Data and how it all relates to Soji and the rest of the synthetics with, that we meet. Yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, it by the time we got there and you saw, like, they're like, oh, this is this a whole, uh, like, like um, colony of synthetics. And then it's like, in, in the building of the show, it's like, this looks like a yoga retreat. Like, I don't, this, sure, you know, whatever. Um, it just felt like, oh, but, we're going to go, we're going to go up in the Hollywood Hills and just take a weekend away and just cleanse ourselves and have crystals put in our butt or whatever they're going to do there. And it's fine. It just felt weird. Like, I'm like, this is like, it felt, this sounds terrible. It felt like early next generation where it's like, we have this convention center or this like, like this um, teleconference area. Can we use it as a sci-fi set? Sure. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's what it felt <laughs> like. Um, well, yeah. there's, you know, for instance, one of the uh, scientific things that they do, which I just, I felt like was such a cop out. They're like, Oh, here's this thing that can fix your ship. Well, how does it fix our ship? You just have to use your imagination. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Well, like, they've, and the fact that they call it out later, it's like, you know, you got nothing like, cause uh, Alice right. Bell's character picks up. She's like, if only we had this magic machine or whatever she says, it's like, that's not an out. That is, that is, that is like, that is the definition of a, you know, uh, an ex uh, was it deuce ex machina. It's literally like yeah. you're, you're handed this. It's like, I get that. There's a lot of hand waving in star Trek that what the hell? Like that was so ridiculous. I don't know. That was, that was frustrating. I just, <sighs> I think also what was missing was, and I, I, this is just something that just occurred to me is there's always somebody who tries to like, just dumb down the science for you as the viewer where like, for instance, I think of, uh, in, um, the voyage home where they're trying to explain how going around the sun, you know, at a certain trajectory will put them back in time, you know, and then bones has a line where he's like, sure, just a simple shot around the sun in a slingshot and you're back in, you know, whatever year. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess I buy it. Cause bones understands it, but <laughs> there's just, there's nobody there who's sort of, pointing out like how does this science work i i guess i guess maybe that was my problem with it oh, and yeah i guess when I'll, we I'll, get to go ahead oh when we get to uh, picard's ultimate fate and the way they write themselves out of that i was kind of annoyed with that because it's like they could have they could have just written that like there was a cure for the issue that he had or yeah. <laughs> they could have. were able to uh they had advanced science on this planet and were able to to fix the brain issue that he had like but instead we have to put him and uh, spoilers 
We have to put him in essentially a synth body. Like, why? But not just a synth why? body. One that they went ahead and not made him super strong or anything. And they've they've approximated. It's like, well, you're 94. We're going to give you, I don't know, two and a half good years at best or whatever. It's fine. Like, because at one point he's like, well, am I immortal? And it's like, no, 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 no. You're you're gonna you're gonna die in your sleep soon. It's fine. We figured it all out. It's okay. And also, you're gonna get weak, and you're gonna everything's gonna ache because you're an old man. We've we've baked all that in into the synthetic body. Well, talk about a bum deal. Like, my God. Like, you know, like why not bring back Tom Hardy you now? Just let me die. Yeah. No, just bring back Tom Hardy as Shinjon from like freaking Nemesis and have him play Picard from here on out. Like. Why not to shave his head and be like, he's now super buff, you know, Picard, you know, like just that felt weird to me. And like, um, have you, have you seen the film beer fest? Probably not. The broken uh, lizard. Film? I have not. No. Um, uh, it was like, it was like... the movie after uh club dread that they put out. Uh, there's literally a okay. point where, uh, um, um, Farva, if you remember that guy that was in super troopers, Farva, uh, that actor, I forget his name, but he plays a character in beer fest where he ends up, uh, drowning in a vat. I forget what it is, but he dies. And then like the next scene, this guy shows up and it's the same actor. And he was like, Oh, well I'm his like twin brother and you know, everything's okay. And we're just going to act like, you know, like nothing changed. And it was supposed to be this big joke. And I'm like, why did you write it that way? Why would you even do that? I feel like with this where it's like, oh, Picard died. We're supposed to be sad and crying. Oh, nope. Robot body that's going to kill him eventually anyway. Have fun. Like, that was stupid. Really, yeah, really stupid. I, and, and, I, and I feel like we aren't highlighting the things that we liked enough, but um, that was that was my biggest problem with the series uh, was its finale. Um, well, I just I felt like you spent all this time writing to get to this point and then this is your solution when there are much easier much more yeah sensible uh conclusions that you can come to so okay particularly since you have the ability to do anything that you want okay before we talk about things we liked about the series because there are i think the good outweighs the bad it might be it might be you know 51 49 or whatever but it, there is good here um, we have not talked about the appearance of seven of nine, Jerry Ryan. When we talk about like, you know, the threading of series together, we, we, we know that, um, and there's also this big, the big elephant in the room we've talked about. There was a board cube that the Romulans were kind of like overseeing. And for, we never really get the explanation as to why they're doing it. Other than the fact that, like, the, the end of the first episode, you see this Romulan rec reclamation project of this cube, and my mind went, oh, my God, what are they messing with? And it mm -hmm. never it never really got that far, and that bugged me because I was like, are the Romulans trying to figure out the secrets of this board cube so they can weaponize it and use it? That's messed up. And it never really – it never really – their intent was never clear to me. Like, the, um, you know, the, the Tal Shiar – with their knowledge that they wanted to eliminate all like, like significant artificial intelligence. I get why they'd be monitoring for what was going on there, but I don't understand why the Romulans had it to begin with, but it was a, it was a cool idea. I just didn't understand the intent of it. Yeah. And I, we are also reintroduced to the character of Hugh, who honestly, I, I hate, I hate to say it. I'd forgotten about Hugh. Everybody Until they showed him on the screen. I'm like, Holy crap. Yeah. I'm like, I completely forgotten about that character. 
So, A, good on them for bringing back uh, maybe not a deep cut character, but it's a character that wasn't super prominent. I mean, no, that's a deep he, cut. Like, he was only in one episode of Next Generation, if I remember right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, okay, that's, that's really cool that they included him. And he's got a bit of a, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a large arc, but like he's in three or four episodes and he gets to, you know, work with Picard. Um, I, I, I really loved, and again, this is, uh, goes back to, uh, um, the fact that I didn't watch Voyager, but I really love seven of nine. And there's a moment where she's trying to organize the ex Borg or the, the Borg that are still technically within the cube who haven't been reclaimed. Um, and yeah, yeah. And they get released out into space. And you just see like all these board bodies floating around. And I don't know why that's funny to me, but it is. Um, yeah. But I was like, that's a great moment. Like, that's really cool that she's, you know, she, she, she ties into the Borg network to try and do this. And she doesn't want to do it in the first place. And that's for not. Well, and then the notion that she has this power and she becomes like a Borg queen of this cube. And then like, it just, they just kind of drop it. It's like, that didn't seem to affect her in the sense she was worried it was going to happen. And then she took over for a minute to try to like fight back the Romulans and blah, blah, blah reasons. Um, and it's like, Oh, like I think that when they brought Jerry Ryan into the, in, into the series and, and then it led to like one of the better episodes of the season, which is called Stardust City Rag, where they go to free cloud, which is um, space Vegas. Um, like not even just space Vegas, but like space Fremont street Vegas, where it is like the dirtiest scummiest part of Vegas. Um, that's probably not even accurate. Like, uh, like off, off, off Fremont street Vegas. Um, like that was fun. And I, and Jerry Ryan's great. And they actually gave her personality and she didn't have to wear a skin tight cat suit to be the reason she's on the show. I, I really liked that they brought her in. I liked the fact that because Picard had been a Borg, and like the like the 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 king or whatever as Lacutus, and then she you know, so he got out, but then she was also um, assimilated when she was a kid, so she had like these deep ties. Like that was kind of an interesting dynamic, and because they both have a shared history, though they've never crossed paths, that was cool. Um, and I hope, and it's implied, I did like yeah, too that. Oh, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just like that uh, there are a couple of times where Picard is recognized on the pork cube and they're like, Lacutus? Like, <laughs> somebody that they hadn't seen since high school. Yeah, but he's like, like, it's uh, just funny to uh, me that they're like, Lacutus? Uh, is no, that you? No, that's the other. No, that's not me. You know, like, <laughs> I, I wish that would have paid off a little bit better, like to show maybe the Borg, like defaulting to follow him. He'd be like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And like, no, whatever you want, sir. Like I was like a fight club moment of like, no, no. Like you told us earlier that you would say this, like I would expect in that moment. It is never, it never truly paid off, but whatever. It was still great that they called back to it. Um, but I, and I, I'm excited. It's implied that Jerry Ryan is going to be part of the second season of Picard. That's cool. I like her character. I like that. She also kind of played him, uh, and started a city rag and went back down and finished her business and shows that she does like, she's broken in a lot of ways too. And that makes her more human. And, um, you want to talk about a deep cut. I was reading that the, um, the character in that episode that the shows in the flashback that she went to go try to save, that was having his Borg implants ripped out. 
that's a character that was like a really small character in Voyager. Like they actually referenced that character that she tried to save. Really? Yeah. Deep cut. That do you think Hughes deep? That guy, I don't even know what was going on with that guy. Um, but like I liked her. She was just kind of like that, you know, like I'm gonna do the right thing, but but you know, things are just I'm a hard ass, but I still kind of care. Great. That was a cool character to bring in, not expected until they showed her in the trailer, and I lost my mind because that's exciting. So I like Jerry Ryan in this. I, I, I hope for more. I like the fact that she's just an ass kicker. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that she just starts whipping ass as soon as she shows up. Like, yeah. I, I know that's a superficial thing to be like, I like that character. She kicks butt. But on the surface, I'm like, yeah, I like the fact that she's broken, but I really like the fact that she's just kicking everyone's well, ass. Well, that, you know, and she's uh, aged gracefully. That's what I'll say about that. She has. <laughs> I think I told you last week when we were not recording, I called her seven to fine. So that's just me. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Patrick Stewart is still not an attractive man. I'm just saying if I had my druthers, you know, let's throw that out there. Um, anyway, or Riker, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, like, you know, it's all boldly go where no man has gone before. It's fine. I'm not saying that. Um, well, I think Marina Sirtis, like, I think she looks great too. Yeah. Like, right. Like just, you know, age, age gracefully. That's what we're going to say about that. You know, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, where the series started and where it ended, it was 10 episodes. Um, was it a journey worth taking? I'll put that to you. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the series there. There are problems with it, but if you look back at the first season of next generation, there's problems there. Um, it, it, it's getting its feet wet. It's trying to figure out what it is. Um, I, I, I certainly hope that I come to love this crew as much as I did the next generation cast. Um, so far, Raffi is easily my favorite of the new crew. And even though Seven of Nine is an existing character, I really loved her. Uh, I loved Allison Pill's uh, Dr. Girardi for the first three or four episodes. I'm hoping that somehow they can find a way to turn her into that optimistic scientist who I thought she was again. Yeah. Um, I, I think that... Understandably so, and I imagine this is probably some of, some of Brent Spiner's not influence on the series, but I know that like so I, I referenced earlier that Kirk's death is not great in Generations. Uh, Brent Spiner's data death in Nemesis is it's no Spock sacrificing himself, which is what they wanted it to be. They yeah. wanted it to be. You know him in the uh, in engineering. You know, putting the uh, like, oils I have, back online. Will be your friend, to, yeah. Like it's that pissed me off in Nemesis, where I'm like, are we getting the same beat? Which it was, and it's like, yeah, that, yeah. And, that frustrated me. And I think the series wanted to try, or at least maybe he did, wanted to try and write what he felt like fans didn't get from his death. And the conversations are interesting. I. I I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, but there was a comic book in the nineties called Starman, And it's based on a golden age character named Starman, who is, um, Oh God, what is his name? 
Jack Knight is the current version of Starman in the series, but his father was like the Golden Age version. Between him taking over the role, his brother had been Starman for a brief uh, a point, and his name was David. He gets killed like in the first issue, but every like twelve issues they do an an issue where it was called uh, Talking with David, and Jack Knight Starman would have this conversation with his brother about where he is in his life and how it relates to being a star man. And my dog is barking. Well, they have strong uh, feelings about this. I get it. It's fine. Yeah. But I, I thought like, Oh, this would be interesting if they did this with data where like if every, you know, year there's one episode, that's just a conversation with data. That would be fascinating. Uh, clearly <laughs> they don't go that way by the end where we find out that like data is just sort of stuck in, uh, limbo um and they decide to terminate that i i get why they tried to fix that i guess maybe fix isn't the right word but they tried to give more meaning to his death or how he relates to Picard's current journey um but i i don't know that it necessarily pulls off what it needed to well I, but like, again narratively I'm not that against the series I, I will give you that narratively it's like oh now we've introduced this concept of like he's been stuck in this like purgatory however the notion that like data's always wanted to be human and the last thing that he needs for that to have that moment is to actually know that his life is finite is like that th- even even though i feel like the steps getting there was kind of like ham-fisted and just just we're going to punch this all the way through. I didn't like that, but I liked his performance and I liked the grace note of hearing, um, blue skies or whatever the song it was that was playing during all of that. Like mm-hmm. it was, uh, that was cool. And I get, I guess, I guess just, I haven't seen the special features, but the girl that played, um, uh, Soji, uh, Issa Briones was the one singing that in, in that segment. Like, so that kind of makes sense. To me, that's a nice like grace note, but again, why couldn't they put them together in the same scene? I don't know, but like it, like <laughs> that was cool, and like the moment of like Picard like giving like this great speech and pulling the plugs, and then you just see the visualization. Like I, I liked that, and and Data was a long cast shadow over the entire season, right? So, like that all that all felt emotionally right. I'm saying storytelling wise and plotting. It was just you. They kept punching, like just we're gonna break these walls and damn the torpedoes. It's not gonna be earned, but like emotionally, it was kind of earned. So that's where I kind of fall on that. Where I'm like, all right, if I had to say goodbye to this character and the knowing that Brett Spiner kind of was like, I don't ever want to play Data again, but I kind of want to end it on these terms. I'm okay with that because they could easily like turn it around and be like, oh, that fake body that we're growing, we're gonna throw Data in there, and now we're good again. That could have been fan service. I feel like this was more like, I hate the term fan service, but like at least we got like a more emotional, comfortable space to be with a character that, you know, what, you know, 18 years ago, we didn't get to say goodbye to properly. And I'm okay with that. I thought that was okay. Just the path of getting there was just some rough business. Yeah, and I, I think that the series, and now that it's clear of at least its first arc and getting us caught up to speed with what Picard's journey is going to be, I certainly hope that they spend more time doing episodic adventures as opposed to 
one large arc. Um, I'm not saying that you can't wrap it up, you know, begin a story and then wrap it up at the end of the season and have fun diversions like that. I think it's episode five of uh, the, the um, I want to say Cloud City, but it's free cloud. <laughs> cloud City. We, we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I want more of that. Like when the X-Files came back, the thing that worked great in its return season was is they were like, hey, you know what everybody loved? Where we do a crazy monster, monster of the, the week, week type yeah. episode. Yeah. So they did those. And it was like those were the ones that everybody loved. I'm not saying put, you know, Picard in uh, Robin Hood tights and, uh, <laughs> you know, stick him, in, yeah. stick him in the holodeck. But I'm saying I'd like a little bit more diversions, I guess. A little bit more fun seeing them do things as a crew and come together and maybe not all of it be centered on this one aspect of the story. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So how did you feel about the weird game of Thrones shit that was going on in the Klingon, uh, like not Klingon Romulan brother, sister stuff. That was like this in- palace intrigue garbage that was going on in the, the board cube. how did you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's serviceable. It's Okay. But it's it doesn't really fulfill your you know need for a great villain. Which, if you've got, and I say this you know completely straight faced, I feel like the card is one of the best characters to come out of science fiction in the last you know fifty years. Like he's he's one of the staples. Like that, I think that people who, and I'm not just saying of Star Trek. I'm saying like of all science fiction. So. You need a worthy adversary, I guess. And admittedly, they're not in direct uh, confrontation with him. But it's... I don't know. I, I, I would have rather had somebody who was... And again, this goes back maybe to the episodic nature of the series, but they were okay. I, I, I'm trying to dance around the fact that I, I didn't really care for it. I thought it was okay. It well, didn't bother me, like but the, it never the brother got to a point. Who, who's, yeah. He was Narek. I, I thought he was like a little bit more complicated because you can tell that he, like, I honestly believe he cared for Soji. I honestly believe that. Um, His sister, Narissa, which looked like, um oh, um, frick, uh, what's her name Um, from Underworld? Um, Looks like Kate a, Beckinsale. Yeah, this is like this is like is that Kate Beckinsale pointy ears this entire time? Whatever, that's neither here nor there. Like she was just evil, and then it's like you get a little bit, you get a little bit with her later, but it's like okay, great. And then like they're brother and sister, but it was also like we got to have some uh, Lannister type of like sexual tension stuff. Also, uh, Narek having like a British accent, which is fine, but it's like oh well, there was a British section of. Uh, of uh, you know of Romulus, I didn't know about that. And then also, why does his sister not have that accent? That was confusing to me. But um, like it just it felt like they were trying to pile on this tension that didn't really pay off. And then even his character disappears like halfway through the last episode. Like they he he realizes like you know that they kind of have a common goal of trying to stop the synthetics from contacting like the great. Uh, spirit in the sky or whatever it was that was going on at some bullshit. Um, and then it's like, he disappears. Like, where's he go? And then she gets into a fight with seven of nine, which was like fine because you know, it's a, it was an okay action sequence. 
and Seven had reasons to be pissed off at Narissa, but they never interacted before that. Like, it's just a lot of that felt like if you go back and watch season again, you could probably just fast forward through a lot of that and you wouldn't miss anything. And that's frustrating. Yeah. And I know that they wanted to play the card of like, is he really bad? Is he in love with her? Is he just trying to do the right thing? But they never really communicated it well. Like, yeah. they're they're too worried about trying to keep up the uh, is he good, is he bad thing that you never really kind of figure out, like, where he falls. Like, I I guess, yeah, I thought he, he loved her, but they never have a real confrontation about it. Yeah. You and, know? And so then also when he goes to make her do, like, the, the, uh, the Romulan meditation walk or whatever it was. And then she's supposed to explore her feelings and uh, past emotions. And then he makes her look up at the skylight. And she's like, I see two moons, a blood red sky with lightning. How is that enough to pinpoint where things are going on? Like, <laughs> just, just throw this out there. Maybe it's on a planet that actually has like a regular weather system where that's the one night where lightning happens. I don't know. It feels weird to me. It's, it's the equivalent of a Sith wayfinder in uh, rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Yeah, so that was frustrating. So, um, before, okay, so I'm going to move on to the next thing here about my thoughts about the series and contrast to something else. Was there anything else about the Picard series that you want to mention before we do a wrap up about how we ultimately felt about it? Was there anything else in particular you want to mention? I mean, this is superficial. And again, I, I, I hate to say, because yes, the answer to the question is should you watch it? Yes, I think it is solid television, I think it's a solid entry in Star Trek. I think it's got its problems, but I, I this is my last thing that I'm going to say, at least on the superficial level, is that I was really bothered like that they're following trends that are current to today's entertainment. Suddenly, everybody's using uh, Iron Man-style mechanics. Like, like you're talking to, like HUDs and interface. Yeah. Like the solid light interfaces that they're using, yeah. Yeah, suddenly people are vaping. Like I, I don't know why that bothered me so much, but I'm like, what about the use of um, like swear words? That's that's the biggest thing. I, I, I hate. I, I don't want to sound like a prude. I cursed like a sailor in my twenties. I cursed less in my thirties. I probably cursed less in my forties. But I love Kevin Smith movies, and there's a ton of cursing in those. I love horror movies, ton of cursing in those. Here, the bar for entry for Star Trek should not be like, I don't know if I can let my kid watch it because they use the F word. Like, Star Trek should be available to everybody. There's other ways to write around it without having to use the F word. Yeah. That's like, I'll even say, I'll go back to Ronald D. Moore with Battlestar Galactica. Like, instead of the F word, they said frack. And after a while, you just got used to it. And then whenever that word showed up, especially when Edward James almost was using it, you got scared. <laughs> Like, you know, you're like, oh no, he's fracking crazy, you know, like whatever. But I, I don't need, like, again, I'm not a prude either. Like, you know, Steve could testify. Like I, I swear like a sailor, you know, like a sailor in the 31st century or whatever. That's whatever. Um, but like this type of storytelling, like there was a bit where Picard was like talking to one of like his, like. I guess it's the superior trying to get permission to do stuff. And the one time she told him to F off, it's like, Oh, that's kind of a powerful moment. And that's kind of unexpected. And then they pretty much repeat that in like the second to last episode. I'm like, yeah. do we need that again? We don't need that again. 
uh, that was frustrating. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like it, and then there's a bit where Rios calls one of the holograms. He's like, I, he's like, I hate that effing hologram. It's like, okay, yeah. great. So like, just can we move on? Like we don't and, need that. Yeah. The, uh, the Romulan sister, I think it's in the last episode asks the brother if he's killed or effed any of them. I'm like, yeah. is that really necessary? Like, I get it. Like language is tangible and it shouldn't be, uh, you know, something that you're barred from when you're writing something. But at the same time where you have 50 years of Star Trek where language is not a barrier for any audience, maybe reconsider it, maybe find a different way to, to, to put that sentiment in the story. I mean, at this point, why not just be like, well, we're here, throw some boobs in like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hate to sound like a prude or an old man yelling at clouds, but I, it just, it bothers me. <laughs> old man yelling at free cloud. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no, like I agree with that. We don't need it. Like, um, it's like, especially you've been writing Klingons for years and you've not put the F word in their mouth. I feel like they would be like a salty race, <laughs> like no matter what, right. You know? So, that's frustrating to me. And I, it's the same thing I have with CBS's revival of the twilight zone. I, Jordan Peele's producing it. And I feel like that, that season had a lot more going for it than it didn't, but I don't need to have the twilight zone having F bombs in it. I don't like, did, was there F bombs and the X files? No, you know, like it's not called the F files. That's probably a porn parody. I want to talk about, but we just <laughs> like, there's other, there's other ways. Like there, there was the haze code that happened in like the thirties and forties. And you would people when writing films got really creative with how they said things. Like there's the whole, like, I'm, I, I don't remember where it was, but it's like you dirty rat, you shot my brother. Like that, like you, you find ways around it, you know, like you get the sentiment without star Trek doesn't have to go there. It does not have to go there. And that's frustrating to me. So, okay. Uh, unless you had something to piggyback on there, I was going to, I was going to give you, I, I didn't talk about my weekend and what I did. I will, I will tell you now, are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. I am now a season and a third into star Trek discovery. I sat down and watched the first 15 episodes of the first season of Star Trek Discovery, which came out before Picard. And the second season came out before Picard. And uh, is there F-bomb uses there? Yes. Are there Klingon boobs? Yes. It's weird. Um, it's really weird. Uh, I the, the problems we have with tone and hand-waving aren't just with Picard. They're in Discovery, too. And I don't know why. But when you talk about the strength of having someone being like, oh, well, that's just like a slinky going down the stairs. And like, they explains everything going on. It's like, oh, that's just like someone walking the dog as a yo-yo. The second season of Star Trek Discovery, every other character is like, they, they give like the watered down explanation of what's going on. It's like, come up with better explanations. But I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to finish second season of Discovery because, again, there's more good than bad. And also the second season has uh, Christopher Pike come in. Uh, yeah. I, you know, uh, Anson Mount, who plays Pike. He is a lot of fun. Um, and also Doug Jones is in the series. He Surprise, surprise, Doug Jones plays a guy with prosthetics on his face because um, he's a thin man and they just keep slapping stuff on him. But he plays a guy named uh, Saru. He is probably the most Star Trek character I've seen in forever. I love him. 
Okay. Uh, but it wobbles. The whole thing wobbles the entire time where it's like, this is cool. This is dumb. This is cool. This is dumb. And I felt with Picard where it's like, I love this. I don't like this. I don't know why both series are wobbling and I can't put my finger on why that is. Well, it just, again, this, this, uh, brought to mind, uh, the voyage home again. Um, in that, like the cursing is such a, like odd thing to them that they built a scene around like <laughs> yeah, Spock, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk and Spock talking about like the language of the time. And, you know, uh, Kirk saying, well, double dumbass on you. And like, <laughs> it's done for, for humor and it, it works. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's something that again, I just don't think needs to be there. Um, it doesn't make the series any more racy. It doesn't make it any more adult. Star Trek's always been available to all age groups. And it's something that, a kid who's five year old, five years old can enjoy, and a, a guy who's you know seventy years old can enjoy. Like there's, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to be the the guy who's like, oh, you shouldn't use the f word, but I just I don't think it's needed. It's and not I, needed. It's like it'd be like if the f word was brought into Star Wars. Like you don't need it. You do not need it. Like it's a different world. It's literally a different world. And with Star Trek, it's the future. Like you can, it's fine. Like it is like, there's ways being creative and having fun with it. And I don't know, like, but I'll say this too. Like I, I discovery, it, like first season's weird. Jason Isaacs is a really interesting captain. Cause he's kind of an asshole the entire time. So that's great. Um, yeah. it's, it's weird to see a captain of a spaceship. That's kind of a dick. Versus like, oh, well, he's just, he's just finding his way. No, he's kind of a dick the entire time. Uh, Pike is amazing in the second season. But um, I, I just, here, here's where, where I'm going to go with this, is that my fear, and this is related to Star Trek, is that we keep seeing all the casting news for The Mandalorian Season 2 about who's supposedly in this. And those are all cool things, but The Mandalorian was... N- not supposed to be about space swords. It was about a bounty hunter making decisions and making some hard decisions. And then we find out the existence of something greater than that's out there than himself mm-hmm. bringing in all this other Jedi lore in there. Cause the, the whole, the whole forward point of that is him to find a home for the baby Yoda. I get it. Cause the thing is powerful in the force. I think it might kind of crush why that series was good. <laughs> And that, I worry about that. And and I worry that, like, so with the Star Trek stuff, like, season two of Discovery is trying to course correct and give people what they want to make it more fun. And it is a more enjoyable watch. But I feel like they can't, like, what is the DNA of Star Trek that works? And I'm not saying people aren't allowed to examine that and go off script and go someplace different. But it just, I don't know, like, it's 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 tough because it's not that I want more of the same. But you said it yourself, making things more episodic, because I think that facilitates Star Trek better than a season-long arc. I don't know where the balance is in that. So there's a couple of things that I uh, can say on that. The first one is is that uh, I don't know that I've ever said this during an episode um, of the show, um, but 
I'm always surprised when fans of whether it be like the X-Men or Star Trek or all of the things that we grew up with that were considered to be geek culture in the 70s and 80s and probably in, into the 90s is exclusionary to other people. I'm always like, did you guys not read the same thing, same comics I read? Or did you not read, did you not watch Star Trek and take the lessons that I had? Like there's an optimism and that we're getting to a better place in our lives with, with where we're going in the future. Like there's always been a, a, an ideal that we become better as a people. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that in my next season of Picard. I'd like to see a little bit more of that idealism, a little bit more of that um, we're bettering ourselves as opposed to worrying about acquiring wealth or selfish needs or, you know, those types of things or excluding anybody based on, you know, race, sex, creed, dot, dot, dot. It, it's a it's an idealized future is maybe the best way of putting it. Yeah. So I'd I'd like to see a little bit more of that in the second season. Um, I and I know and I'm glad that he didn't actually do it in the first season because he's he's easily easily uh, Picard's best nemesis. But God, I if I don't get an episode where John Delancey reappears as as Q to Picard. They've wasted an opportunity. Yeah, your dog Q, agrees. I, I think that's. I yeah. think that's right. <laughs> Bosco agrees. Q yeah. is at, at, and I I don't say this lightly. He's the best Star Trek villain. I I can't imagine, and he's not even really a villain in that he's more of like a a nuisance. But like <laughs> Q is wonderful, and and I have a a set of. Um, because I, I I never went out and bought like the entire series, but I I think around the time of the 2009 movie, they released like DVD sets that were like here's all the Q episodes. So it's it's a collection of every Q episode from uh, Next Generation. He's got one appearance I think on Deep Space Nine, and uh, he's in uh, I think two episodes of Voyager. Here's a Borg collection. I picked that up because it's got all the Borg episodes in it. But long story short, I think that. <laughs> It would be a severe opportunity if they don't do an episode where Q shows up. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm honestly like that was one of the things about Nemesis. Where I'm like, you're going with a younger Picard as his nemesis. Why why wouldn't you give Picard in his final film outing the villain that he deserves, which is Q? Um, so I'm hoping he pops up, and I I would love to see. Uh, yeah, it's comfort food, and maybe I'm a shill for this type of thing, but, like, shill's not the right word. A mark. Um, if Jordy shows up, great. If, you know, Beverly Crusher shows up, if Wesley Crusher shows up, great. I'm all for it. I, I'm happy to see those characters that I grew up loving. Again. And Worf. Bring Worf back. And Worf. Worf makes the most sense. I, I, I feel like there was talk for a very long time about a Worf series, and it never happened. Yeah, I just, I always wanted to see, and it just, uh, just because I'm a glutton for bad ideas, I always wanted to see a just a standalone mirror universe series. That's all I ever wanted. I wanted to see cutthroat Star Trek, just straight up. I wanted to see that like over the long haul, but 
that probably won't happen. However, every every Star Trek series, with the exception of Picard, because it's only been around for one, has had the runs with the mirror, mirror Universe, so I guess maybe that mileage may vary, but I would love to see in just an absolute, just standalone, like cutthroat, horrible Mirror Universe series. And if I have one recommendation, even though I didn't watch a lot of uh, Enterprise, I think no matter how every series end is, ends now, it should always just be a hologram that uh, Riker was watching. <laughs> well, it's funny because Discovery is like 10 years before, uh, set 10 years before the original series, which there's a lot of reasons why that does not jibe really well, which is like technology and everything. Whew, mm-hmm. it is, the Discovery ship does things that like, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, at one point, um, someone mentions like other like esteemed uh, Star Trek captains and Archer is mentioned like on a, on a view screen. I would love to see Scott Bakula brought in as Archer in an episode of uh, Discovery. I would love to see that. Um, Why wouldn't you? He's still around. Yeah. Like, and, like, and we've already proven like in the Star Trek world that like. Uh, people live longer, so why not? You know, like DeForest Kelly was in the first episode of Next Generation, right? Like Bones yeah. is there, right? At Counter Farpoint, and um, and James Doohan was just stuck in a teleporter somewhere, right? It's fine. You can just make it happen. Um, but I also, I, I think I've told you this before, um, that uh, my friends and I were joking about it. like one of them mentioned that they wanted to put up the entire series of Enterprise on like a uh, streaming, like um, like a LimeWire or Pirate Bay where the very last episode would show Archer leaping out. They'd have Scott Bakula's character just turning blue and leaping out. They put the entire series of people to download. And then when I got to the last episode, they would be confused, like really confused and to find out that this has been a, just a long journey to have uh, Dr. Uh, Sam Beckett leap out at the end. <laughs> I will say it, it, you saying that makes me think of uh, how enterprise was marketed. Because I realized they did it with seven and nine and two, um, and it maybe goes back to the cursing uh, that we were talking about, like trying to do things that aren't specifically to track. Like with seven of nine, and I, I think the character's name is to Paul. Maybe they're like, yeah, "Here's uh, a sexy lady, but she's a Borg," or "Here she's a Vulcan." Yeah, I think <laughs> I think um, I think to Paul was like half. Romulan, not Romulan, half Klingon and half something, whatever it was. Okay, that was Jolene Blaylock, if I remember right. That that was, yeah. It's like we're going to sex it up. It's fine, but it's like, but you got Scott Bakula, you got all but, the, you got all the necessary roughness that right there that you need. You don't need, you know. But it's sort of funny that like they went that route, and now it's like, well, what's the new way that we could try to get people interested in it? Let's use curse words. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that's a CBS all X thing where it's like, you're paying money. We're going to say all the words. It's just, it's weird. <laughs> um, I will, I'll say this too, for you to maybe check out uh, discovery. Cause I think, I think the journey, I think you would appreciate a lot, especially I'm not going to say it now, but what the, the starship discovery can do that's unique versus all other ships is cool. Uh, and they also used, um, Oh shit. What's his name? The guy did all the star Wars, uh, ship design. Um, Doug Chang. No, early, early, early star Wars. Um, Oh, Ralph McQuarrie. Yeah. He did original concept work for star Trek and they used some of his original sketches to come up with the discovery. So a lot of his work, McQuarrie's work is in discovery. So that's cool. Like if you look at that ship, it, it's very angular. 
Um, it's cool. Uh, that ship can do something that no other ship can do in the Federation. And I'm not going to say what it is. It's, it's neat. But uh, Michelle Yeoh is in the series uh, and she keeps showing up. And it's like Michelle Yeoh's a badass. And just the way they utilize her gets more and more interesting as the series goes on. So I'll say that. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish second season because we got time. Um, so yeah. <laughs> we've got time. We've got time. So, all right. To put a pen in the talk about Picard, I know we've said this repeatedly. Uh, is it worth the watch? Alton episodes? Absolutely. I, I know that we just spent an hour and however, you know, some change talking about things that we didn't like, and maybe we didn't focus on things that we did enough, but I, I absolutely think it's, it's worth a watch. I think that, uh, you know, if you're somebody who is a star Trek fan, I, I can't imagine you not watching this. Yeah. And, and so, okay. So I know we kind of picked apart the frustrations and problems. So what's, what, what was your, what was something it doesn't have to be your favorite part, but what was something that you liked from the series? Um, I, I think just, uh, something that I liked from the series was seeing Picard go out on what we thought was going to be one last adventure. But, um, I liked seeing, I, I guess it's probably closer to what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, going forward as opposed to going backwards, which Star Trek has been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, something I'll mention too that's a small detail is that once we got his um, his vineyard established, um, aside from him calling his dog number one, which is great, you saw his like main little room that he uh, was like always like talking to his uh, his his uh, his house staff, which was his friends. They mm-hmm. ended up giving like that file, like a scan of that, so that way he always had that room to kind of operate out of on uh, the ship. Yeah, I get that that's supposed to be like, like, oh, it's this place of comfort. I also know that it's like, we have the set. Can we keep using it? I appreciate that notion of like, we already have this one room from his uh, vineyard. We're going to use this multiple times. Like, I get it. It's, it's a cost saving thing, but I also really liked that they grounded it in the character. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I feel like there's a scene where somebody walks in and they're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like like they're like, this is what's going on. He's like, yeah, I like it. Like, what are you going to do with it? You know? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed Picard, uh, again, there, Patrick Stewart playing Picard's great. You, you can't deny it. Um, seeing him try to run is still funny to me because he's old man, whatever. Uh, but like I, some of the action choreography too in the series was actually pretty good. Not with him, but I'm talking some of the fight stuff is pretty great. Some people kind of dismay it where it's like, that's not Star Trek, but it's like, well, I mean, either you have people shoot each other with lasers or they fist fight. I think it's fine. Uh, Elron, uh, Elron Hubbard, uh, the, you know, the elf, he has some cool moments too in terms of Elnor. Yeah. Elnor, Elron Hubbard. Um, that's fine. Uh, like that was okay. Uh, so it's, it's trying to update there and I'm cool with that. Like, so there's stuff I liked. Um, so yeah, I think it's worth it, especially right now. Be, again, like I said, if you have the time, if you've not gotten your 30 day free trial, it's 10 episodes, just burn through it. And then don't talk to anybody to stay at your home. It's fine. And then check out discovery. It, it is, it's a weird ride, but Doug Jones, which is weird because no one knows what he actually looks like. That's not true. But anytime you see Doug Jones, he's always behind makeup. And it's like, he is amazing at discovery. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like, there's plenty of Star Trek to watch, and 
Yeah. I just said, yeah, I haven't watched it. I'm no, like, yeah, Doug no, Jones it's Doug Jones. Amazing. Like he, he is this tall gangly son of a bitch. Right. So you put anything on him. He looks proportionate, but he plays this character of Saru where they purposely put like lifts in his heels. So he's even taller and even thinner. <laughs> it's like, it's just, you have to watch the way he walks. It's like, it's like, he looks like an alien, but it's like, but he talks like, imagine the voice of Abe Sapien, but like an, an, a different character that's not green that's mm-hmm. Saru and he's great. He is like the most like pure Star Trek character and it's great. It's Doug Jones. Got to love it. But anyway, that's not Picard. Um I also throw out there too. I get that uh um Rios's ship is supposed to be kind of like a you know, a little lower class, but it looks like they're just flying around in a warehouse like every time. It's like, "Oh, what's going on?" It's like the world's largest like U-Haul truck. Like there's all this space behind them. Did you notice that where it's like, all right, here's my spaceship. We're in like a loft apartment. <laughs> it just feels weird. But yeah, but I'm going to fly with a cigar in my mouth. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wish they would have thought about it a little bit more in terms of how serenity was laid out. Like serenity feels like lived in and a, a space. Yeah. To exist. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Alan Tudyk will come on in the second season, and then it would save everything. It'd be amazing. So, all right, that's going to do it for our talk about Picard. We ruined some stuff, but not all of it. Uh, you guys can watch it and figure it out for yourself. Uh, again, just uh, also, spoiler, uh, Riker sometimes screws up pizzas. That's also a spoiler. Um, yeah. He sometimes burns tomatoes. He should not do that, but he did. Um, yeah, that's going for that. Do it for that talk. If you guys want to share your thoughts, how you feel about Star Trek Picard or the discovery, you guys can uh, share it on our Facebook page. It's invasion of the podcast. We have a blog that is um, not moving forward. Like uh, the Star Trek is uh, it's invasion of the podcast.com. I keep talking about adding to it, but then I know I'm quarantined and I should write things, but ah, I'm just kind of watching some Star Trek and playing video games with googly eyes. That's where I'm at right now. So I apologize for that. Uh, you guys can find previous uh, posts there. There's enough there. If you guys want to read some poorly worded uh, commentary about knockoff films and Westerns and the whatnot, that's cool. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Apple podcasts, Google music, Podbean, Stitcher. Um, I don't know where else you can find your podcast right now. Go outside and just yell into the sky. Maybe it will show up because there's no one else going on. Nothing else going on. Sure. You have a smartphone. You're listening to us. You know, our podcast, our rate and review us, recommend us to others that are being shut ins and just want to watch things and listen to us talk. That'd be great. And Steve, how can people find you? You can find me at the Saturday night slasher.com. You can find me, uh, on Twitter and Facebook under the Saturday night slasher. You can find, me on Etsy, although I'm not shipping anything right now. I mean, if I do, I guess I have to leave the house. But uh, you can find us on Etsy at The Art of the Slash. And one last thing that I wanted to uh, just say real quick is is that uh, there was a Ripley's Believe It or Not type show called, I believe, Fact or Fiction um, <laughs> yeah, that Jonathan Frakes, Frakes hosted. Um there's like a minute and a half clip on YouTube of somebody just slowed down like some of his like bits from the those episodes and it's amazing because it sounds like he's drunk the entire time highly success or highly uh, i can't even talk Recommend. i highly suggest yeah. that you seek them out it's called jonathan jonathan frakes asks you things parentheses drunk so, well i guess he actually tweeted that out too he thought it was funny 
So okay, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. I love Jonathan Frakes. I mean, he directed the the you know that film uh, Clock Stoppers that we all remember. Uh, was it Clock Stoppers or Time Stoppers? Don't remember. But he's directed uh, some episodes of Picard. Uh, he also has directed episodes of Discovery. Just gonna throw out that too. So he's he really directed connected. First Contact. Which yes, is the best generation. Next I generation love movie. First Contact. Um, I love that film. Um, that's probably my favorite ne- like next generation film. Oh, hands down. Um, even though um, what Insurrection just feels like a two hour episode, and that's fine. Uh, Nemesis, I need to go back and revisit that. Like I, I liked it, but it was weird. But First Contact's amazing. Um, I thought about trying to squeeze it in this weekend. I just unfortunately I can't say that I couldn't. You know that I was doing too much, but. We had Ozark to watch, apparently. So that's fair. And I jammed through 15 episodes of the first season of Discovery, and I'm now five into the second season. I got, I don't have anything else going on. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, before we talk about what we're doing next, uh, we got to get to our game. Here it is. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. I appreciate the burp in the middle of that. So that was amazing. That was amazing. So some behind the scenes for everybody here. I have no ability to mute uh, other other people. Um, Just my board isn't that great. And also on Skype, Steve can mute himself. I can't mute him, but I heard the time to play the game. Burp. It's like, that's amazing to me. And I loved it so much oh, i'm so sorry i keep forgetting <laughs> that i have to mute myself eh, whatever it's fine it's fine uh can i can, so before we get into the game can i can i um can i just mention something i know we like for for an episode where i feel like we didn't have much news we're just we're trucking along here um <laughs> can i just say that the tiger king thing i'm over can i just say it now i know we talked about it last week but like the world has like gotten to this and the internet has embraced it in like ways I don't agree with. Um, I, I, I've mentioned recently, I've had to work from home a little bit and, mm-hmm. uh, I had a, a, like, you know, a video conference meeting where someone uh, mentioned tiger King and it's like, it just lit this fuse. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm done. Like, I feel like, I feel like sometimes content is used to, um, substitute, personality just going to throw that out there uh and it's frustrating to me it's like yeah we all watch this and people are terrible don't own big cats and don't be an asshole that's the things to take away from it like it's funny but not really can we stop talking like people are treating it like it's hilarious and i'm like nope people have gotten hurt lives have been ruined and animals have died why is this funny yeah, I, I I certainly understand uh, that point of view. I had posted something like the day after uh, on your Facebook uh, after our last episode. No, the Stefan like, thing was funny just because everything you listed was like, that's something he would say. Like, I get it. Right. Like, that was funny. But uh, yeah, it's, it's easily like every fifth uh, post I see on like Instagram or whatever is a now a Tiger King post. And uh, I am kind of... I, I surprise should not be the word I'm, I'm looking for here, but people who are like, Oh, you know, so-and-so wants to try and, you know, get raise money to get Joe exotic free. I'm like, he was convicted of murder or attempted, attempted murder, murder. Sorry. Like attempted, like paying money to hire something like, you gotta hire hitman. Yeah. 
he he's where he he is where he needs to be. Like right. Uh, yeah. And animal abuse is not funny. So like, I think uh, I think we can all let it go now. Yeah, I, I believe so, but we're not. So. All right. Uh, so April 1st um, was April Fool's Day or is and googly eyes were attached to everything. Um, so I looked up what also is happening April 1st as we record this. It is um, National Walking Day, which I think was kind of ironic because we're all supposed to stay inside or at least self-isolate. Right. So I decided to put together a quiz for you about walking. So it's 10 questions about walking and you you will see that it goes in some weird spots. So you're going to answer these questions here. So, um, <clears throat> what is the name of the Katrina and the wave song from 83? That is basically an every upbeat montage ever walking on sunshine. There you go. That's right. That's the correct answer. Uh, this popular brand of whiskey put out two specialty flavors of game of Thrones, like named whiskey. It was a, a song of ice and a song of fire. What was the brand that put that out? Um, uh, I, you know, I honestly don't know that many brands of whiskey. Is it, is it Walker? Is there a, a, like a Walker whiskey that I'm unaware of? Johnny Walker. So yes. Johnny Walker. Yes. Oh, Johnny Walker Red. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So you're, you're catching some of the theme of this. So uh, here, this is this is a little different question. What was the name of the hundred twenty five dollar pair of running shoes with Velcro straps, a water pump on the tongue, reflective sidewalls uh, that Homer Simpson bought in season two, the episode called Bart's dog gets an F where the, where Santa's little helper destroys his, his shoes. What was, oh, what was the name of the man. shoes? I should know this. I really should. And as soon as you tell me, I'm going <laughs> to be upset. Oh man. Remember Ned Ned Flanders bought them first, and Homer was just jealous. Yeah, didn't. Oh man, you might as well tell me because I'm just going to sit here and be angry at myself until you do. Assassins. That was the name of the shoe. That's right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> what is Walker Texas Rangers' actual first name? I'll give you some options. Is it Chuck? Is it Norris? Is it Leland or Cordell? I feel like Cordell sounds right for some reason. How much Walker, Texas Ranger have you watched? Um, most of it is comprised by the Conan O'Brien. Uh, Walker, Texas Ranger lover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I have AIDS or whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, Haley Joel's what said, or the random like kicks to the head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Cord. You're right. It's Cordell. It's the absolute. It's the right answer. Why just, would I know that? Like, I don't know. How- I thought Leland would be a weird enough name, but I also wanted to put out Chuck and Norris as the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would make sense. Yeah. So this is. The, it's the same name. So this is the name of a terrible Stephen King film, and the name of a forgotten amazing Marvel hero. Would that be Sleepwalker? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> a terrible, terrible Stephen King film in which someone gets stabbed in the back with a cob of corn. <laughs> and also the name of a Marvel hero uh, named Sleepwalker, who I, I fancy. So I figured you'd figure that one out. So, all right. 
Uh, all right, next question. When was the walking taco invented? I'll give you some some dates. Ooh. The walking taco, which sounds more like a menace, a, a delicious menace. Um, was it 1974, 1949, 1892, or 2001? I'm going to say 2001 because I had never heard of the walking taco until about, I don't know, five or ten years ago. Right. And then you get all those weird like fair booths where it's like a walking taco. It's like, what is that? It's like, oh, it's a bag of nachos and some shit dropped in it. Yeah, you can walk around with that. You're wrong. It's 1949. Uh, That was the first official like documentation because I guess like in Texas, they did something called a Frito pie. And then they're also mentioned using like a bag of Doritos to make uh, like a taco. So 1949 walking taco. That's crazy. So I just, I'd never had a walking taco up until I feel like easily within the last 10 years. And then it's one of those things where you're just like, how this seems like so natural. Why did I never think of this? Like it's right. Doritos or Fritos cheese, taco mix. And then, you know, whatever else you want to put into it. Like it, it seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Like I, um, so Last summer, uh, we, uh, with a bunch of friends of ourselves, we went to a cabin. I think I mentioned this probably on the show. And, like, everybody had to dole out the different, like, meals. And Mary and I, we'll do walking tacos. We ended up buying, like, a box of, like, 50, like, tiny bags of, like, Doritos. Like, red bag, blue bag, um, which those are inferior to the purple bag. Just put that out there. Like, spicy chili Doritos are the best ones. And people can fight me. I have to say yeah. it. I I never tried those until we had our Halloween party, and a common friend of ours, a friend that you'd actually introduced me to, Rob, who's vegan. I was trying to figure out like things that he could eat, and he's like, "Well, these Doritos are vegan," and I'm like, "That's weird that there's vegan Doritos. I didn't know that." But then I tried them, and I'm like, "These are amazing." Yeah, so the spicy chili ones are my favorite. So. But yeah, like uh, red and blue are okay. Purple's best. But we ended up buying all these like boxes of like tiny bags of Doritos and making like a shit ton of like, you know, ground beef with like like taco seasoning. And it was like, it was the well that people went back to the entire weekend and made multiple walking tacos. It's like, it's, you just put shit in a bag and um, you just eat it, you know? And it's amazing. So it is the most American thing to come up with that's <laughs> n- like its roots are not American. So because it's super lazy, but it's, easy it's lazy. To do. It's lazy. You just, yeah. Like you could almost put everything in the bag and then squeeze the bottom and crush it up and just like tip it upward and have it all fall <laughs> into your mouth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like some sort of a uh, um, trough or something like a horse's. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. All right. All right. Well, so yeah, we're almost done. So, which baseball player has been walked the most? Is it Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Barry Bonds, or Jim Tomey? I feel like there was that point where Mantle was going for the record for its uh, home run record. I don't know if you've ever actually seen the movie 61. It's directed no. by Billy Crystal. Um it's it's really great. It's Thomas Jane, I think, is is Mantle in that, and uh, Barry Pepper, I think, is Roger Maris, and uh, they were both racing for the uh, record to beat uh, uh, Babe Ruth's home run record. 
So my my answer is Mantle because I feel like there were people conspiring against him to try and keep him from getting that record. Okay. So you're wrong, but I understand why you're saying that. Um, uh, it is Barry Bonds. He got walked 2,558 times. Wow, really? Yeah, that's that's like more than a lot of people ever actually get hits, right? Like, that's ridiculous. So, Because there was a while there at the end when he was like, uh, <clears throat> may or may not have been taking performance-enhancing drugs, where what? he was just a monster, and they, they walked him a lot. To avoid that, so yeah, I thought that was surprising. It's um, funny when you said you were wrong. I just I pictured that scene in Billy Madison after <laughs> Billy gives the long explanation about the puppy who found his way or lost his way. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, uh, yeah, you uh, you've made us all dumber. That's not the right answer. <laughs> and may, and may God have mercy in your soul. All right, um, where would right said Fred do his little turn and shake his tush? I believe that would be the catwalk. That's correct. All right. Um, <laughs> what disease did Michael Scott try to raise awareness for when he created his charity 5K in the second season episode of The Office called Fun Run? I'll give you some options, unless you already know. Um, it was it uh, was it pink eye, rabies, irritable bowel syndrome, or mono? I feel like it's rabies. I don't know why. That's right. It's rabies. Because Meredith got attacked by like some animals or whatever. That's and, right. Yeah. yeah. The second season of The Office, and I know I like at the beginning of the show, I was like, Parks and Rock is better. That second season of The Office is pretty phenomenal. It so yeah. uh, I think that's why it stuck with me. All right. So last question here. Uh, how many stars are there on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Is it under 1,500, over 2,500, under 5,000, or over 10,000? Hmm. So I don't know if everybody knows this. I don't think I knew this until probably in the last 10 years. You have to buy that star. It's not like just given to you. Um, it has to be paid for. Um, and because. I believe Ralph Garman, who is Kevin Smith's co-host on Hollywood Babylon, organized the one that got Adam West his star before he passed. And I believe that there was a fundraiser to, to pay for it um, because of the ridiculous amount of money you have to pay for it. Long story short, uh, having walked it, I don't think that there's... There's got to be under 10,000. I, th I think that was one of the options. Well, so your options are under 1,500, over 2,500, under 5,000, or over 10,000. Oh, it's definitely not over 10,000. I would say under 1,500. Under 1,500? Okay. Yeah. You are wrong. It is over 2,500, but not quite. Like, really? You know, yeah. Hmm. I, I, you know. I, I was trying to find the exact number, but I couldn't find it anywhere. I feel like that's a number that would constantly change too, because they give out stars like every couple of months. I mean, both, uh, Oh no. Uh, it was Mark Hamill. I think was the last one that I noticed that they were, that was given. Um, maybe Carrie Fisher long story short. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but I feel like those, those constantly get updated. So I, I would agree with that, but you would think that there would be like an actual real time tally, but I couldn't find it. So Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's my um, that's my walk. Uh, take a walk uh, uh, um, quiz. Uh, we, we I'm were, disappointed we, there was no Christopher Walken questions. I thought about it. I just didn't know what to do with it. And so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know that's my my walking quiz. Uh, so take it or leave it. Uh, so yeah. All right. <clears throat> that's going to do I it. End? Yeah. Please, please oh. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, should I end the episode on a completely unrelated story? Sure. Is it about your college days and watching uh, porn in groups? <laughs> no. No. I never got around to why that occurred to me during that episode, but the hell with it. I'll just leave is it, it go is now. It, is it cartoon time? Is it, what's going on? <laughs> no. little known fact about me is that whenever we go out, whether it be like downtown Cleveland or... Um, for instance, when we go to someplace like Chicago, which my wife knows well, because she lived there for, I think, eight years, I get annoyed when we have to walk places and they're big cities. Like I get it, but I'm always like, can't we find parking close to the place that we're going? That's clearly not the thing. My wife will lie to me to actively keep me from knowing how far I have to walk to things. (laughs) It's a real bone of contention to me where if I'm like, I don't know where this thing is in relation to where we're parking. And I'm like, are you going to make me walk really far to get to where we're going? No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's only a couple blocks away. Six miles later. (laughs) That's usually how it is because my wife does not mind walking. I am apparently just a lazy bitch. So (laughs) I will complain and bitch and moan about it the entire way. (laughs) Oh, I I, can I, can I admit to that today? Um, when I, um, when I went out to uh, like like uh, engage with the society of the world, I, I've I've made it a point to like park further away. One, just to get away from everybody, and two, it's like I get more steps, and so sure. Like, but I feel like uh, I feel like you and my wife would uh, like. There's times where I'll be like parking. She's like, "It's right there." I'm like, "I know where the parking space is." Like I get frustrated. But there's times it's also like, "Can we just park over here?" Like it's not that far away. Like I get it. So I, I respect it. So I, I will say that when it comes to like parking in a parking lot, I will park far out only because my mom had like, again, sad story time. My mom had crippling arthritis like mom, most of her life. So it was always tough for her to walk. And towards the end, she had to walk with a cane and it was, you know, then she got a handicap sp- uh, sticker. But, like, I always keep that in mind when I'm parking in a parking lot. Like, say, if I go to Walmart, I'll never park up front. I'll always park far out because I'm like, there's somebody like my mom who maybe doesn't have a handicap sticker yet who needs that closer spot. I'll I'll, I'll at least try and do that. But if we're in a big city and, like, I got to pay for parking, it better be the damn closest parking <laughs> spot we can get. <laughs> well, I will also admit to being lazy and – uh like having events like in downtown Cleveland where we live currently, uh, which that will change and we'll get there. Like, we'll, we'll talk about that potentially soon because we might have to take a couple weeks off. Uh, cause I might be changing locations, but, <clears throat> uh, we would just Uber. Like, it's just like, yeah, how do I do with parking? <laughs> like <laughs> it, it would like, it would almost cost, like it'd be like a break even versus like just being driven down versus parking. So I get it. I respect that. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. For an episode where I feel like we were wanting to like, sh- like struggle for content. It's, it's like one, one fourth of your work day. Everybody be happy. <laughs> be thankful. 
you are welcome right so uh, i always enjoy our talks i hope everyone else does um <laughs> I, I i probably get in like two three good points and then the rest is just you know white noise but like hey i enjoy it i white noise like what, what, what am i bringing to the table i have no idea i don't know but um all right what what we've taken from this tonight is that star trek has merit it's not always great and that tacos have been walking since 49. That's the three things we've taken from tonight. So next episode, uh, this is more in line with actually happened this week, but I didn't know that until Steve brought this up to me. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Heroes in the Half Shell, Turtle Power, their original film came out like this week, 30 years ago. I'm not old. Shut up. You're old. So we're going to watch that live action turtles film next week and talk about it. So all you people are like, you might have been a child of the eighties. If yeah, we're going to get into it. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I know that we dove into the turtles a little bit during the uh, talk during the uh, toys that made us episode, but I have very fond memories of this movie and uh, I was not a child at that point. I was, uh, 15 going on 16 when this would have come out, but I loved this movie when it came out. So, yeah, I mean, um, I was a smidge younger and we'll talk about where this hit, hit it, where it hit us, where we lived. This will be, yeah. Yeah. I've not seen this as a grown up, but I remember loving it as a kid and we'll see if it's aged. Well, I'm going to guess yes and no, but that's where we're at. So next week turtles. Uh, so I hope you guys have a good week. I hope you have a safe week. I hope you have a socially distanced week. I hope you stay in your home and listen to us ramble for two and a half hours about other things like Star Trek and I don't know, shit. I don't know. But have a good week. Uh, have a safe week. Have a quarantined week. And then next week, uh, Turtles. They, they, You know what? They social distanced. We can do that too. That's right. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Have a safe week. <laughs>